Why this fool got more comics than a motherfucker? MCMF, the comic book podcast where I try to get you, dear listener, into the wonderful world of comic books. My name is Marcus, Mr. Summers, if you are nasty, joining me on this episode uh, to talk about one of the all-time great comic stories uh, really ever. Uh, it's Will. Welcome back, brother. How you doing today, my friend? Hello, listeners. It's, uh, it's good to have you back on. It was funny, we had like that three or four week span where like Either you, Jesse, or both on every episode of the show. <laughs> like, damn. Including the, uh, the including the, uh, the static one that's just. <laughs> oh, the static one that's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that episode, like, I was like, hey, yeah, his, his microphone went into business for itself. <laughs> yeah, that's the lost episode. <laughs> uh, so we're talking today about Daredevil, Born Again. Is this is kind of the story that people come back to for Daredevil? This is like kind of the defining Daredevil story, um, because it's honestly less about Daredevil and more about Matt Murdock. Um, and the irony I think is that uh, the new Daredevil show is going to be called Born Again, but the last season was more this story than um, yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if that new show is just Last Rites, which is the sequel to this. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, this is... Daredevil's had a lot of good runs with individual writers during mm-hmm. his time as a character, but they all they all kind of... They all kill, still kind of try to recreate the magic of Born Again. Right. In some way, shape, or form. You know what I mean? Like, this is kind of like your how-to on Daredevil. To mixed results. Uh, the good side being like Bendis and later a little bit of what Brubaker did. The worst side, Kevin Smith. Hate to, uh, hate to send out a Kevin Smith stray so early, but you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's tricky because it's like when there is a defining story like this, you want to use it. It's a lot like Dark Phoenix where the yeah. Dark Phoenix saga is an incredible story. Um, it's it's really kind of like the gem of the it's the climax of that first new era of X-Men stories like the right. first five or six years of Claremont's run culminates with the Dark Phoenix saga and like this was I you know I it's it's hard to say because I read this obviously it came out like four years before I was born so right. I read it after the fact but in a lot of ways it from what I can tell was the first time people who weren't necessarily into Daredevil paid attention to Daredevil, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's kind of like it's coming out party in a, a lot of ways. Right. And, you know, Frank Miller, uh, this is... Frank Miller and Dennis O'Neill worked on this first issue together, but David Mazzucchelli, the... Uh, Mr. Mazzucchelli, uh, either way. He... He gets... I don't know if he gets enough credit for what he is able to do with daredevil in this story um i think in part because he does have there's kind of like a defined style of comics in the 80s 70s and 80s and 90s um 
art-wise, and he draws very much in that style, but he executes it so perfectly. Yeah, and I'll say this, that um, I own, I know for a fact I own at least three of these issues. As a matter of fact, I own the original, all right, so a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, Born Again, as it's considered now, is issues 226 to 233. But originally, it was just 227 to 231. And I know I own those issues. But I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't have time to dig up my long box. So I just kind of used the app. Mm-hmm. And digitized, his art is so much better than I remember it being. Oh, it's so like, good. It looks being so Being able to good. zoom in on stuff and, and whatnot, it's, it's so good. Yeah, he's so good with the details and things. So issue one, or issue 226, uh, is more of like a prelude. You know, it's it's uh, kind of introduces some things that will be important uh, to the characterization and to the larger story. Um, issue two twenty six by Denny O'Neill uh, and Frank Miller. Denny O'Neill, uh, some of you might know as the uh, uh, as the editor of Batman comics for a while, writer of like the Question. Uh, it was really a force mm-hmm. at DC, but he was the he was the editor at the time that a death in the family happened, um, and like pretty famously, somebody saw him, uh, like in a in a store or something, and they were so mad because they realized cause he had like a Batman pin on his lapel. Yeah, and they realized like he worked at DC, and they were like, "You killed Robin!" And he was just like, "Ah, I gotta go." And what's so funny about that to me is it it shows a world that I, I honestly I don't think we personally have ever lived in where like seeing somebody with something as simple as a batman pin you're like okay wait a minute yes you there's a reason you have that right like it's not just oh i got a five dollar shirt from five below or something you know what i mean right, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you're yeah, wearing that for a reason on, like, on etsy or something you know what i mean <laughs> i love that story uh but uh frank miller who we've talked about on the show before Frank Miller is a, a weird one to talk about because a lot of his work is not Oof. great, but then there's this, which is the kind of his, yeah. it's his masterpiece, it's his opus. You know, and I, I, I'll i say, little biased here, um, as I mentioned before we started recording, my th- this run has my single favorite uh, comic book issue of all time. It's what really got me into reading comic books. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little biased, but I think this is his best work. Um, I know some Batman fans. Of- this is, I think, this is his. I think this is his best stuff. Yeah, it, it arguably is- holds up the best. Arguably, like there's still some dated stuff in it, you know. But you're gonna get that with a 30 year old comic. But it ain't Sin City. I'll say that. <laughs> Sin City. It is not, that's for sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Dark Knight, uh, or um, not, not The Dark Knight Returns, um, well, those later ones, The Master Race, it is not. Oh. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Remember uh, how Carrie Kelly becomes Catgirl in that? Oh. That's, ah, that's, <laughs> It's, I remember if the character is named Catgirl, but she is dressed up like a cat. 
and not like in the Catwoman like cat suit way. But she's got <laughs> like a goddamn tabby. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, but let's start with Daredevil: The Man Without Fear, issue two twenty six, uh, nineteen eighty five. Right away, I want to note how cool this like font for Daredevil is. Yeah. Like on the cover, the way that the man without fear is like kind of creating this 3D effect underneath mm-hmm. it looks so good. Uh, so this issue opens with Melvin Potter. Uh, what's Melvin's? I don't remember. Is he? They call him like the gladiator or some shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a gladiator, and he he's got another alias that's more like recognizable. I think, but uh, if you, yes, if anybody's, yeah. if anybody's watched the uh, the Netflix Daredevil show, he uh, he he's actually really good in that. I think he's one of my favorite characters on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's um, making the costumes and everything. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So Gladiator uh, busting some heads at a jewel at a jewelry shop and. As is the style of the 80s, uh, we get a lot of narration that reads just kind of like a novel. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's something I noticed that when you pointed it out during the uh, the Dark Raven episode. But, um, yeah, it, it's also, you know, you get it. It's kind of, here it feels like it's a little bit mixed. But I've noticed that even back then, even when it wasn't as uh, super flowery, mm-hmm. I noticed that there's a lot more third-person narration than yeah. first person. Whereas like, it seems like everything now is all first. Right. Everything you know is from I mean? the character's perspective. And it's like, no, we get like an outside kind. Of, and I think that helps with making these stories feel bigger than they are. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so this opens with, they weren't supposed to be here, thinks Melvin Potter, somewhere in the blur of where he is or what he's doing. He'd been promised there'd be nobody. Promised. He tries not to hear the sickening crack of the guard's jaw. Tries not to wonder what the burning in his throat is, or why he can barely see past the water in his eyes. They'd come up on him so fast, and made it all real. Made him a thief. A jewel thief. It's all their fault. And, as you, I'm reading it now, and I'm thinking that this may be where it comes. I've mentioned before that I love really good onomatopoeias in comics. Mm -hmm. This book has a ton of them. Oh, yeah. On the next page, he just fuck. He cracks a guy with the shield to the head and just goes quang, quang, <laughs> k w u n g g, quang. And it's like it's so artfully drawn too, because it's like wrapped around the shape of the shield. Yes. And it's all happening with a. a he's got a sword in one hand, like a like a gladius, and he's got this pendant hanging from the sword. Uh, and so it's in really good motion here. Like everything is drawn to give it a lot of weight, to give it a lot of motion. Uh, yeah, well, he just—he just this guy just eats shit too, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> he catches him at the top and the back of the head at the same time. Yeah, this dude—that dude is in concussion protocol. That—that's <laughs> <laughs> Austin Collie. <laughs> <laughs> Get the smell of salt, brother. Uh, uh, gonna, 
<laughs> He's going to come back from that concussion just to get concussed again. Jeez. Uh, so he leaves, um, and he's trying to not think about what he's doing, about why he's doing it. Uh, meanwhile, uh, it's a cold day, fierce cold like Belfast was, but Gloriana O'Brien knows the flush on her cheek is in frostbite. She straightens her back and crosses the street like she owns it, her mind set, and she's quite ready to give the high and mighty Matthew Murdoch a, pi a piece of it. What she isn't prepared for is the gloom that hangs over the law offices of Nelson and Murdoch. Thick in the air, it is a sense of sadness and dying. And so she runs right into Foggy, who is surprised and drops all his books, and they have like a they get like a meat cute, like it's a fucking teenage rom com. <laughs> And she's he's yeah, like, uh, yeah, we're closing up the office. And she's like, oh, what are you going to do? He's like, eh, Glory, I'm like a lucky piece of toast. I always land butter side up. <laughs> Which, great, great look on things. You know, he's not wrong either. Like, yeah, yeah Foggy, Foggy always, like, finds a way out. In this, in this series alone, for both uh, hilarious and kind of badass moments, uh, Foggy Nelson is a fucking force of nature. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to one later that, like, legitimately, I sat straight up looking at it. And I think I said it to you, just like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and so they, uh, he's like, hey, are you looking for Matt? And she's like, yeah, don't be, tell don't be telling me he isn't here today of all days. They loved having, like, an Irish or a Scottish character on e in every book in the 80s. It was like, we need to have somebody with red hair here, and we might as well make him Irish or Scottish. Uh, you know, it makes me... I, th that color red that her hair is, that had to have been a new color, and they just needed an excuse to do it. Yes. Like, they just needed an excuse to put that in the book. Because uh, Moira McTaggart, they were like, Claremont's like, we gotta have somebody Scottish here. Uh, Rain Sinclair... Again, Claremont yeah. going, hey, we're going to give Ra Moira a daughter. Uh, Glory O'Brien. Uh, Banshee. <laughs> Which I can, you know, I completely forgot that. I completely forgot that Moira Scottish until uh, I saw something with Proteus talking. And oh, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Y'all are from over there, from Weir Island. You know? Uh, and so, um, someone comes up and it's like, hey, Foggy, they're saying the Gladiator just robbed a jewelry store. It's like, the Gladiator? Nah, not Melvin. <laughs> Which is a great line, because he's like, man, come on, Melvin. Like, he's so disappointed. Like, Melvin, we talked about this. Literally, Melvin, Melvin Potter used to be a client of ours, but he can't he reformed. He was just sick. That's all. And they cured him. Matt and that social worker. It didn't break Matt's heart. No, he was cured. That's all there is to it. Somebody's framing him. You gotta believe in people. Uh, and he's like, sorry, Glory. Sorry for ranting. With all that's going on lately, I feel like I don't have my boat feet, you know? He's like, boat feet? <laughs> Foggy, sure, and I'd understand if you tell me this isn't the time, but could you see fit to have dinner with me? I'd like to talk about your partner and whatever it is that's happened to his mind. And then we get some beautiful art of Matt sitting up on yeah. this, on this, uh, like a water tower. Like he looks great here. 
and he's he's just reflecting and he says uh, the narration's like he was running off running across the rooftops when it hit him he was noticing how beautifully he danced and yes he didn't mind flaunting it if only to, to himself I'm terrific at this he thought I'm terrific in terrific shape for my age that was the thought that caused that stopped him cold cutting through the gray haze in his head for my age thinks Matt Murdock my age I'm not even 30 yet how long have I been daredevil how long even since the world threw that isotope in my face making me a blind man oh sure I built up my other senses there's nobody else who can smell or hear like I do but it struck me blind and it wasn't the last bad thing to strike me one disaster and after this, another. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm saying this is the uh, the phase in comics where they assumed everybody was a new reader, so yes. every issue starts with an origin story. Mm-hmm. Like you hear about him getting blinded at least like three times. Or, yeah, at least three or four more other times I could think of off the top of my head. Like, uh, one disaster after another, and everyone putting the blame on me. Everyone I loved or trusted. Foggy, my partner, couldn't pick up just a little slack and keep the law firm going, and Heather. Yeah, Heather. Why be afraid to think her name? Killed herself. This on top of everything else I have to deal with. But that's what life has turned into, one thing after another to deal with. He feels the cut of the October wind. hears the dull throb of New York City below him. He wonders when the city started making him sick. The city of things to deal with. And then he gets a flashback of a uh, of stick talking to him. And, and you uh, know, yeah, Matt's such an asshole, dude. Like, <laughs> he, I he blames Foggy. Like, oh, Foggy couldn't pick up just a little slack. Nah, Foggy's been picking up slack since you started this law firm, bro. You're a goddamn superhero trying to run out of law practice. Like, y'all know if you're as helpful as you think you are, Matt. You are frankly a liability, pal. You know. God damn, dude. Gaslight the dude and he ain't even there to hear. Yeah. He's thinking about how much he fucking doesn't like stick. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck, I hate stick, man. Because, uh... Stick's like... There's, uh... There's two sides to you. One studies and reads, the other trains and fights. The problem is neither of them are you. You do what your dad told you, you do what I told you. Even the women you latch onto, it's up to them to make things right or wrong. You, you just obey. Stop gritting your teeth, you'll need them someday. Everything's up to somebody else with you, so somebody else is always to blame. You'll never be what you could be, because you know in your guts that if you were, there'd be nobody big enough to pat your head. And he's like, which? <laughs> which is Bar that's his a ass crazy up. line. <laughs> Bar his ass up. <laughs> If you were as good as you could be, nobody would t- be able to tell you how good you're doing. Like, and they do this thing on this page, and they do it a, a fair amount in comics this era for Daredevil, is they'll show his full face, but his eyes are still shadowed out. Yes. And it, it's really good. It, it Obviously, it, it alludes to him being blind, but it also kind of gives him this really kind of sullen, gloomy look. Mm-hmm. But he also looks like a fucking pulp movie star in this uh, yes. in this panel here. Like, uh, like he should be on the swimsuit magazine or some shit. Yeah, these are exceptionally handsome panels of Matt. Yeah. Um, 
Which I would say that every time we see Matt without the mask on, he looks in, he looks great. Yeah. Like, it's a very deliberate choice to make Matt really handsome. Uh, but the he hears the police siren and hears the radio saying that Melvin is dangerous. And, he's, and he also is disappointed. He says, not you too, Melvin. You promised. I worked my tail to the bone for you. If you've betrayed me like everyone else has... Uh, and then we cut away to uh, a woman named Betsy Beatty, uh, trapped, uh, held hostage. And she says, you'll have to be careful with Melvin. He's upset if you make him afraid, and he's afraid of you men. You can be sure that, you, uh, and, and he's afraid of you men. You can be sure of that. But he could go off the edge. And then he won't be able to, he won't be capable of anything as complicated as robbery. And you won't get the rest of the money, you thwack. And this dude, what? I, there's no other word for it. Fucking clobbers her. Fucking like um, annihilates her. This is the beefiest arm I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. <laughs> and it just, it just overhand like hooks her straight in the cheek. Like knocks her glasses off, and then they fucking tape her mouth. Like fuck, man. She realizes that she can see uh, she can see the Chrysler building, uh, so she knows where she is. But now there's tape on her mouth, so she can't tell anyone where she is. Uh, Melvin is hiding out in some terrible, fucked up room. There's a bucket of Popeye's chicken on the floor. <laughs> this is the most <laughs> fucked up apartment I've ever seen. Uh, R slash male living spaces. <laughs> 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 it's, it's just a post where the guy's like yeah a bed frame would be nice i don't deserve nice things <laughs> uh, but again the we fact that he has a mm-hmm. the fact that he has a shower in this fucking thing is yes that's what's really mind. fucked up is that it's like it's leaking. It's, he's got a leaky shower in what is a what looks like a studio apartment. Like he could reach over that and like touch his bed. It's so crazy. <laughs> it's like a shag rug on the floor. It's fucked up. <laughs> An exposed light bulb just hanging down. No kind of <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's nothing holding it there. <laughs> like it's there, but only barely. Like, to get out of that shower, he has to dodge the fucking hot water, the uh, radiator. I promise you this is going for like 1300 bucks a month in Williamsburg right now. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt uh, makes his way to the costume shop. He says, and this close to Halloween, it's a little late for there to be good reason for there to... Even this close to Halloween, it's a little late for there to, uh, to be a good reason for the noise coming from the back room. So he goes to break in and sees like th- uh, three dudes and it says uh, a cat burglar couldn't break in as quickly as he does. A bloodhound couldn't so swiftly identify the men by their sense. He knows them, each of them. They're no friends of Melvin, but they'll do. And he beats the dog fuck out of these guys. Like just straight ass whoopings all around. Like throws one guy into a rack of costumes. Uh... <laughs> You, like on entry, he hits like a split kick, like Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> uh, 
is apparently Chigger, which <laughs> problematic to say the least. <laughs> we we almost canceled a whole rapper over that name, and you might want to <laughs> <laughs> shout out Rich Brian. <laughs> uh, that dude's name is Ch- like if you look him up on the Marvel Wiki, it says <laughs> his name is Chigger. That's sick. <laughs> <laughs> This is his one appearance. <laughs> God bless that. Mar- God bless the Marvel Wiki, man. He gra- uh, so Matt grabs him and he says, uh, the guy's like, I'm limp, man. I swear. He says, not as limp as you will be, Chigger, unless you tell me Potter's plan. Sing to me, Chigger. Sing what? Stars and Stripes? You know me, devil. I'm a heist man. You apprehended you apprehend me in the commitment of a heist. What's there to sing? And the man just lets him go. It just bolts out of the window. Yeah, he's like, ah, fuck. And just leaves. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, at a coffee shop somewhere north of 86th Street, um, Foggy and Glory are having dinner together. And she says, I, uh, I do appreciate you seeing me, Foggy. With all that's landing on you, I, it doesn't seem fair to be using your shoulder for my crying. He's like, crazy times, huh, Glory? But they'd have to be a lot crazier for me to pass up a date with a pretty girl like you. Yes, sir. Uh, Don't take that the wrong way. (laughs) And so they talk about Matt and talk about, uh, you know, how far back they go and that they used to come here and eat all the time. And she (laughs) said, he says, we met in college, right right up the street. Ruined together through grad school. Matt was the whiz, no doubt about it. You read him four words, and Matt could Matt he'd do you a speech on it that make Gri- Jefferson uh, crawl out of his grave and take notice. You see, Jefferson was an American president. Wrote that she says, even in Ireland, we've heard of Jefferson, Foggy. But <laughs> <laughs> this is a she looks like, like the art on her face in this panel when she's like looking down. It's when you can tell that she she likes Foggy. Yes, like, yes, it's very playful and it's got like a nice energy to it. She's, <laughs> Like, her face, you can tell that she thinks Foggy is charming. Yeah. And it's like, uh, uh, Gary pointed out the Discord that, uh, throughout this entire run, almost every conversation these two have, like, Foggy just assumes she doesn't know some simple <laughs> shit just because she's Irish. And she's like, well, yes, we have hamburgers in Ireland, too. <laughs> he says, you know, suppose you have, have to have come to think of it anyway, the only thing Matt wasn't much good on was the details. Never had the patience. That's where I came in, with my steel trap mind. Way I put it, Matt was inspiration, and me, I was perspiration. She says, he let you down pretty rough, hasn't he? He's had a lot on his mind, Glory. Never mind all that stuff I said lately. I just let things get to me. Truth is, I saw all this coming when... I mean, Matt just hasn't been uh, been all there since... Since what, what? And he, yeah, I was gonna say he uh, doesn't want to talk about Heather, who is Matt's uh, Matt's last disposable girlfriend. Well, like, props to Gail Simone for being the one to really call it out because in the '80s, especially like post Gwen Stacy, they were yeah. like, "Oh, we can just kill all of these girlfriends, yeah. just line yeah, them 100%. up." Yeah, and like by proxy made a trope out of Gwen that wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah, exactly. And in a way, it kind of takes the weight away from Gwen's dying. 
Right. Because you know Glenn I mean? dying is supposed to be like the rules being broken. Like, no, you're not. This isn't supposed to happen. Yeah, I remember. Um, I wasn't. This is a random memory, but I was in a four a couple years back, and um, I just kind of casually referred to comics as funny books, and mm-hmm. somebody was like, "Comics stop being funny books when Gwen Stacy died." Yeah, and I think that's the perfect way to sum it up. Where it's like, "Yeah, you're right." Like that was like shit changed after that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, just, it, it but, just was not the same anymore. And what year was that? That was seventy nine, I think. Let me see. Yeah, we're not even a full decade later, and. Matt's in with his third. Oh, that's not even seventy nine. That's seventy three. Okay, yeah. So, like, barely over a decade later, we have Daredevil, who I think, I think this is his second or third dead girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Like, it's and you know, spoiler for a book that we won't cover today, but uh, he gets another one later down the line yeah, <laughs> in well, a very. Very bad way. Well, Shout out Kevin Smith. Ugh. And I mean that ironically. <laughs> well, because like Heather, like there's Karen, who we'll get to. But Karen gets mm-hmm. it pretty tough. Uh, then there's Heather, who I didn't dawn on me. Heather's only been dead for like six issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's extremely recently. Uh, yeah, because... Um, Foggy's like, don't say that, Glory. Uh, Matt, it's just, he lost somebody. And since then, she says, you mean Heather? It's, he seems sorrier for himself than for her. He says, no, I didn't mean Heather. And I think he, I don't know who he means if he doesn't mean Heather. I'm pretty sure, uh, what's her name is already dead, but I think so. Hold on, let me see. I think, uh, that might be after. Let me see. Sweet Susan. Googling. Yeah, Electra. Oh, okay. Electra dies. She dies. She dies in one sixty-eight. Gotcha. Yeah, I was just, like I said. Well, that that this run, uh, folks, starts in nineteen sixty-four. Yes, and goes into the nineties. So I, you get you get placement kind of jumbled up over a few hundred issues. <laughs> Yeah, but it kind of it's confusing to me because like if Matt trusts Glory enough to you know tell her about Heather, why is he hiding Electra? Like, what's the? I don't know, man. The daredevil of it all, I guess. Yeah, you're probably right. They are. Foggy's very. He very much comes close to just saying, "Well, look, man. You know, Matt's daredevil." He right. comes close to that like five times in his book. Yes. So that's probably what it is. Is that everybody's like, hey, you know Matt's Daredevil, right? Uh, yeah, she says, uh, I've, I've been mean, I might as well be telling you, Foggy. I've been having it out, I've been meaning to have it out with Matt, all the snapping and snarling, never telling me where he'll be, outright vanishing for days on end, then expecting me to be waiting on him. Just well, Matt. He's a special kind of guy, Glory, and that's where he makes that face that you said in the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like a he just looks like a racist sheriff all the time, <laughs> or more accurately, he looks like a racist dad from the '60s that doesn't like the, his 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 boys on the football team with Negroes. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like an, he looks like a parent from fucking. Um, Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. Yes. <laughs> He looks like he's about to harass uh, Donald Faison. You know? 
And what's great about this is like, so they explicitly say that Matt is short of 30. Karen Page is, a, I think she says 25. So Foggy's somewhere around there. This man looks 48. Yes. This man looks like a taxi dispatcher. <laughs> 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 he says, uh, Glory's like, do you know what he told, what he did the other day? Up and told me he could see. Just like that. Well, of course I dropped everything, and it isn't like I was lacking things to do either. Dropped everything, and what a day we spent seeing the sights, giggling and carrying on like children. And there's no denying he could see either. And Foggy, check please. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't notice the first time because they wrote it so small. It's so tiny. <laughs> Which is a great use of the medium. Like, I love when comics do shit like that. Yeah. Like... Like, just having the, the text be super small is hilarious. You know? Because it's like, you can tell, it's good, man. But yeah, I... You know, and it's one of those things that he does kind of reckon But during this time, Matt Murdock is a shitty boyfriend, man. Yes! Like, and I think she, she sums it up pretty well. It's not even just the, the shenanigans that kind of come with dating a superhero, where it's like, oh, I missed our date because I was out stopping a bank Right, it's not Spider-Man, where Peter's like, ah, I'm sorry, MJ, I missed our date night because I had to go stop the vulture. Right, it's like he's doing all this, still being shitty and in a shitty mood around her, and then mad when she's not waiting up for him because he was out here fighting goddamn Stiltman for two hours, like... (laughs) You know, like... Yeah, like, Matt is, like, a, a dickhead. And he doesn't really mean to be, but he is. Yeah, and that's that's uh, one of the things that kind of is that like he is the most unintentional asshole in the world. Like, <laughs> but it's like when you look at it, well, yeah, his dad was kind of gruff. Like, Stick has been probably yeah. one of the more formative traitors in his life. And also, this dude can hear everything. You know how annoying yeah. it would be to hear everything all the time. I'd freak out. <laughs> I'd lose my goddamn mind. And, like, they, in this book alone, some of the feats he performs, like, hearing-wise, are fucking insane. Yes. He hears somebody's heartbeat and says, oh, she's got a real good heart, she'll live a long time. Yeah. That's what? crazy. How can you tell? What the fuck? Like, how can you hear somebody's blood pressure, bro? That's <laughs> insane. Um, and so, Foggy says, well, Glory, it's like I said, Matt's a special kind of guy. Guess it takes a special kind of woman to it take a saint, Foggy. I'm finding I'm no saint. Oh, Foggy, you with all your troubles, and here I am laying out on my own like a little girl. And Foggy says... <laughs> Foggy says, I like a little girl's glory. Come on, let's go and get some air. Check his hard drive. <laughs> like, what, what made you go with that bar? Check his, that check his file cabinet. Like, not... Raid like, his home. Like, what, what did Frank Miller, when he wrote that, what did he... What do you, what, what do what you do, mean by that? What do you think's gonna happen there? What's the good of that supposed to sound like? He said, "Like <laughs> Jim Shooter." Jim Shooter read that and was just like, "Yeah, that's fine." Jim Shooter is the weirdest editor in chief. I could be here all day talking about how fucking weird yeah. Jim yeah, Shooter is. Yeah, Jim Shooter was like, "All right, no gay people exist in Marvel except for those dudes who tried to assault the Hulk that one time." What? Jesus. <laughs> He just said gay people don't exist in Marvel. That's so weird. Oh, God. Uh, 
so back at the office, Matt comes in. He kicks in the door to his office because he realizes that the door isn't nailed shut. He just the landlord just changed the locks. And this uh this panel of him standing in the doorway, fucking terrifying. Oh, he looks scary as fuck. That first is... of all, I've never thought about it until I'm looking at this literally at this. Ex- how fucking tall is Matt Murdock? Matt's got to be like six two, six three. Matt's a, a tall guy. Cause he almost like he almost fills up that whole door frame. Like, I've never really thought of him as a tall character. But he's got to be like, yeah. Explains why he's got he's all fucking legs. <laughs> yeah, Matt's a. Let's see. According to the Marvel Wiki, watch it say like five ten or something stupid. Matt Murdock. God. <laughs> The list of his aliases is so funny. <laughs> it's so long. Uh, he is 5'11". Crazy. Absolute fucking insanity. He is 5'11", 185. That is a cruiserweight. No way. That's what it says. Nah, no way, man. Matt is 5'11", 185. That's what it says. Out of uh, curiosity, how tall is Cyclops supposed to be? Cyclops? I've always read Scotty as like... Is about around six feet. Really? I've always thought him to be really tall for some reason. Well, he's always standing next to Logan. That's fair. Standing next to a dwarf and having the condom head on kind of makes you stretch out a little bit. I can see that. Oh, no, Scott's 6'3". W- okay, that, okay. I would say that would also... <laughs> that would also explain why only Logan calls him Slim. Yeah. Because he's like a full foot taller than Logan. Yeah, Slim, Stretch... Slim day spring once upon a time. Uh, and so Matt asks himself, why did I come here? I don't need any of this stuff. Anybody thinks I even want to be a lawyer anymore? Well, well, I'd have to ask, be asked pretty nicely. That's for sure. I never liked this job. Helping criminals get off the hook. Helping husbands and wives who didn't have the nerve to face each other fight over their children. It was a lousy job, Dad, and I did it for you. I wanted to play like the other kids, but you never let me. Study every chance you get. Be a doctor or a lawyer or somebody important. Be the somebody I never could. Study, 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 study. No, you never gave me a break either, Dad. Always pushing me. And he throws his his uh, like little desk thing with his name on it mm. out the window. And it, fl- it shatters with a big crash. So, of course, the burglar alarm goes off. I paid enough to install it. Let it ring, let it ring Which, all night. A quick, a quick thought about this, uh, this burglar alarm. Um, they are high enough on this building where Matt is looking down at buildings. Yes. And why does the alarm go off when someone breaks the window, but, but not, not kick in the fucking front door? Who do they think is going to break into their law office? Who is like, going to break into the windows, Matt? Like, granted, I know you're a superhero, so maybe like, uh, or some shit might just crash through. <laughs> right. You never know. This, you is, know, this is Marvel, on, New York. That's fair. Felicia Hardy is always around. She's an ever-present threat to your belongings. That's a good point. If you have she something expensive get... in your home, Felicia is going to steal it. She just gotta get Matt's, uh, Matt's uh, diploma for some fucking reason. <laughs> she just does it. Doesn't really have a reason. She just does it. Uh, remember how? Uh, remember that time that uh, 
Felicia and Matt were making out on the side. Of, uh, we're making out. And Peter could see them on a building, <laughs> and he goes, "I think this is my villain origin story." <laughs> I love shit like that because it's like you know how often that shit's gotta happen. Yes, like, <laughs> when somebody just sees it and they're like, "What the fuck?" Like, like there's something later in the book that makes me realize that. So if you're Matt Murdock, when you're just sitting up there, po- you probably hear other superheroes all the time. Oh yeah. Oh, he knows every detail of, like, Peter's entire life. You know what I mean? Like, he identifies a man based on how his heart is reacting to him running. So, like, he definitely knows. He definitely hears Spider-Man a mile away. He knows what swinging sounds like. (laughs) You just hear one solo clip and he's like, oh, Peter's out tonight. He's like, oh, hey. Also, I just remembered that uh, Matt and Peter, or Matt doesn't know Peter's name anymore because that's spelled. Yeah. He hasn't uh, he no. hasn't unmasked in front of Matt yet? No, he they talk Ooh. but he doesn't tell him his name. And he's like Oh yeah. I think uh I think somebody just shared a panel about that recently. Yeah. Like they're still good friends, but they don't know each other that way anymore. Because they keep on writing who knows who Peter is and uh, Yeah, I hate I just I kinda hate Civil War has a lot of crimes that needs to end. That's the biggest one. Yeah. And C.B. Sabolsky insists we are never going to let Peter retire. Like, I don't know, man. It's just the the idea that, like, some of his closest friends can't know he's Spider-Man anymore. It's just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, will say I think this, this is... Felicia knows, and I think that's it. Felicia knows yeah. and Miles knows. Does, um... Didn't he take... Didn't he, uh... Unmask in front of Johnny? Maybe. Actually, do the people who are on that new Avengers team, the secret, do they still know? Mm, I don't know. You know, I'm way behind on Avenger books. Yeah, yeah I haven't read an Avengers book since Bendis has run it, so I don't know. Same. Sounds um, about right. I should read Hickman's run, though. Sunspot's in it. So. Hey, listen, man. Hickman... <sighs> Hickman has this... He gives me an uneasy feeling because he feels like the guy that... So I feel like when he does have a flop, it's going to be Bad. It's be bad. It's, it's gonna be bad. <laughs> like, but he's he's batting a thousand. Uh, yeah. So, Foggy and Glory are walking through Columbia University, uh, and he's <laughs> Foggy mentions his fraternity, and he says, uh, "That's a club, kind of a club of students." She's like, "Foggy, we have fraternities in Ireland, man." I know, I know what a fraternity is, like, dude. Like, come on, man. Like, this is exclusive that Americans made up. Like, yeah. and you're a lawyer, dude. You're a smart dude. You should know this shit. Um, and really what they're saying here doesn't matter. They're just talking and Foggy's just telling her about, like, being in college. And, uh, again, you get one of these really long, loving looks from her. Where she—it's very clear that she is like that she yeah. li- likes him. I'll say this: that in his art, I, I can't say it's for every character, but namely Foggy, Gloria, and Matt. You can tell he had people's faces in mind when he drew this. Yes. Like uh, this doesn't seem like it's coming straight. It's like it's a yeah. inspired by a real person, you know. 
And so Matt gets home finally. And uh, he's got a message from, from Glory who goes, Matt, this is Glory again. I, oh, never mind. This is one message. Been gone all day. And one lousy message. Then it rings like an old woman yelling. I just leave the machine running. It's my right. Besides, I don't feel like dealing with Foggy or Glory or Melvin. Mr. Murdoch, Melvin Potter, I need help. You and the rest of the world, always coming to me. I know you and Daredevil, I know you know Daredevil, and if you could ask him to come to the Dibney Museum, I need, I don't want to, no, don't tell him that. Just say, I'm sorry. He says, sorry, are you, Melvin? After all I've done for you, I'll leave you a lot, a whole lot worse than sorry. And my two thoughts here are, it it shows on a macro, on a smaller level how like shitty once again Matt is that like his girlfriend calls him clearly so frustrated with him that she can't even form sentences and his only takeaway is oh wow only one message like it shows how <laughs> it shows him it shows his kind of mental decline of yeah. how resentful he's becoming of everything and also. It's fun reading these older books and just seeing any kind of media before like 2005 where they have to get exposition out in ways that don't involve cell phones. Right. Like he happens to. Yeah, he just happens to come like in second. Yes. The exact same time Melvin's calling. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like In a world before cell phones, you have to make these total. You have to do these things to make them make sense. And, like, what's so cool about that is, like, it makes it seem, it kind of, it helps because, like, if he gets a call and he misses it in mail, it's like, okay, I'm going to go see what Melvin's doing. But this is him coming home, hearing this message and being so mad that he just immediately leaves again. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, I mean, like, he came home because he's tired. There. He needs to fucking rest. But then he hears this and he's like, you know what will be better than rest? Beating the shit out of this guy with mental Choking Melvin out. <laughs> Put like, Melvin in the Katahajime. You know? Uh, and so it's it's almost an hour before Melvin makes it to the museum, somehow bumbling through the locks and past the alarms, moving with all the grace of your average cow, sandals scuffing on the tile floor, breathing like a bellow, still mumbling how sorry he is and the, showing the depths of his sorrow by stealing the most expensive gems in the house. And Matt, again, this is like the perfect reason why this costume should have always been completely because he looks like Satan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He looks like a literal devil. He says, got your message, Melvin. And in case you're wondering, the answers are no and yes. No, I don't want to hear your excuses. And yes, I'm here to kick your face in. He grunts like a wounded lion. You'd think it was me who betrayed him. His heart goes into overdrive. It's a cinch it's a he hasn't uh, kept in shape. He breaks in a cold, panicky sweat. He's scared, ready to run away. So I give with a chuckle. That gives that gets him steamed enough to charge, but not enough to stop whining. I don't want this, Claude. <laughs> Matt I, fucking jump kicks him. Like fucking Luke Kang. Like, like the form on this is perfect. This is great anatomy. He, he turns his hips and just lays him out. And so they they fight. They tussle. Uh, and then Matt finally just has enough and gives him like it's almost like a back body drop 
So even before that, how do you explain this this kick he does where he's holding onto the pillar and then just double kicks his feet out like it's he he gives him the fucking um from the boondocks when stink meter possesses tom the full double <laughs> chest kick but he does it to his face like he just knocks the shit out of this dude and then like don't goes down into a squat and just elevates him right into the pillar and like if this was a video game he'd have to use half a special bar yes. to do that move like he says, he lies there, crying, hugging the pillar like it's his mother. And I go all cold inside. And I th- think of the Hell's Kitchen punks who made my childhood a nightmare. Trying to figure out what dis- difference they- between what they did to me and what I've just done to Melvin Potter. And Melvin's like begging him. He's going, no more, please. Can't blame you. I'm bad, but I've been so scared, devil. They're holding Betsy. They're going to kill her. Sorry, I had to steal a milliner, the, the killer. Couldn't even put the costume on. The old one, I mean. I tried to, and I got all sick. You want to lock me up, devil? Go straight ahead. But help Betsy. I beg you. He breaks, like big men do, seeming to cave in on himself. I feel the fog lift from my, bra- from my brain for the first time since the ugly feeling in my gut is shame. That's just post-nut clarity. Yeah, the, the post not clarity of violence. <laughs> like he he got it out of his system, and he's like, "What's wrong with me?" Like, fuck. Why am uh, I like staring at his I hands think, like Johnny Gargano? <laughs> I should call myself Pig Devil. I'm a pig. <laughs> Why am I so violent? Uh, it's up to me to make things right. So he Melvin gives him the details and. Uh, so he tells him, don't worry about the cops. And he just goes and waits and follows the guy picking up the jewels, who he describes as a full-grown man who giggles like a girl. And, like, knowing Frank Miller, that's meant to be an end. <laughs> knowing Frank Miller, that is assuredly him calling that guy some sort of slur. Exactly. Exactly. Called that man girly pop. <laughs> that fucking that TikTok audio is stuck in my head. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're girly pop. <laughs> like, you know? what does that mean? What? What? What made you go with that bar, man? What? Why'd you pick that? <laughs> um, and so Daredevil calls Melvin uh, after he tracks them down, and he's like. Hey, you want a piece of them? Meet me at Spring and Mercer. They bust in and immediately, immediately just start fucking these guys up. These dudes like, are armed with the like shit out of these dudes. Yeah, Matt lays one dude out. That dude's jaw is for sure broken. Uh, and Melvin has this other guy grabbed by his collar and just like it looks like he is going to just blow this dude's brains out the back of his head with his fist. And he and he sighs and throws the dude down. And just like, it's a really sweet moment because in the midst of all Daredevil beating the shit out of these dudes, he just, Melvin just makes a beeline for Betsy. Yeah. Like, it's it's really touching because it's like, he just, it and, hmm, Matt, you should pay attention to this part. He puts the 
violence and vengeance aside because he sees the woman he loves and that's his priority you know he says he doesn't walk like a killer or like the lumbering apology he's been he walks like a big a man a big man walks to the woman he loves and then there's just this really great panel of them standing in this room and you realize this room is mostly dark except for underneath the light that Betsy's been sitting under uh, and Matt stands there in the dark while the two of them stand in the light. Like it's a really slick visual choice. Uh, this is me, I'm ready for more, but there's nobody left. For some reason, there's a pounding in my head. It drowns their voices. They seem so far away. I try to listen. Her voice is soft and proud. There may be a guilt in his, but it's a deep voice strong and sure they seem to thank me sounds come from my mouth i hope i say the right things they leave i'm alone my knuckles are bleeding and that's how that issue ends yeah like i had to turn back like wait did i miss something like no that is how that issue ends with matt standing there as they leave yeah and i think this is one of those um if i remember correctly from the actual like print of it I think this was one of those where they had the uh, like letters from the editor was after this. Mm-hmm. That's why it ends kind of just abruptly because the next page is just like, it's ask Stanley or whatever yeah. the fuck it was. You know what I mean? Ask Jim Shooter. Hey, Jim Shooter, why do, why do you suck? Hey, Jim. Why like, what's do, the reason? Why do you think that Mystique can't be gay? Like, you know, she, you know you've seen her turn into guys. She does it all the time. Why didn't you let Mystique be Nightcrawler's dad? He's so good. Man, what a fucking... We need to get, uh... We need to get Raven and, uh... Kurt on, uh... Izanya, uh, Izanya, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I need to... We need to get that result. We need to get this... Pat, we need to get this settled. Um... The next one opens, and this is the same artist, but the style on this is so cool. Yeah. Like the there, this opens uh, with Karen sitting in a a dark room lit only by sunlight filtering in through the blinds, um, and the page is shaded and shaded in this really like grainy look where it looks like TV static all around her. Yeah, like it's all very. That's a real good way to put it. Yeah, and. Karen, uh, it says it's a hot day, like all the rest, all two years of them. Two years, and the motion picture epic that just turned into another come on isn't even a memory. Like all the rest, except this one has a special glow to it. It's not every day you sell your soul. That's no way to think. Grow up. It's the 80s. You do what you have to, and you have to do it. And she's holding this envelope. She says, look, this is worth something. Take it to the States, and you'll get a million for it. This girl says she's a lot when she's hungry. Things I hear. Want a shot? No, didn't think so. Not a shot of booze, anyway. And she said, and Karen says, Daredevil, okay? I said it. I said the name. And he's got another name. And it's written down right here. You want it or not? And that's the lead up to what is, and will be forever, my favorite single issue of comic books ever. Like, this... I remember in probably like 2002, somewhere about there, 
um, Marvel did these trade paperbacks that they call the uh, the hundred greatest Marvels of all time, and it's like each one was like maybe four issues of like pinnacle like comics for them or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's a mixed bag because some of it has like oh here's the first issue of Ultimate X Men because they were trying to push Ultimate X Men at the time, but then some of it has shit like this, and I read it in that trade because my mom just got it for me, and. The way this comic ends blew me away in such a way that I immediately went to my local comic shop. Like, I had to start reading comics. It just changed my mind about the whole medium. Mm-hmm. So you will probably hear me squealing. Fucking incredible. Uh, yeah, so good. Six weeks later, all just as hot. Uh, and so it's uh, that, the man from before uh, sitting, in, sitting at a desk with another guy. He says, your time's worth plenty, Tonyo. And I, what I got's worth plenty of plenty. Daredevil's secret identity. So that's worth your life, Raldo. Says, no, this, this is good, man. And very soon, at a much cooler place. Good gentlemen, but not good enough. We must expand more quickly into legitimate enterprises. They are to become the backbone of our organization. You are dismissed. Um, excuse me, sir. Sir, it's from Mexico. Uh, might, might not be anything. And so the kingpin stands up. This is the widest man I have ever seen. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like. I remember there was a that one year where uh, where Joe Oakley kind of looking out of shape, and they described him as being listed as his height, yes, weight, yes, and that's exactly what this man is—just <laughs> big, just the biggest, the biggest, widest man you've ever seen. In this fucking chair, it looks like a, a wooden dining room chair <laughs> he's sitting in. Has to be made of, like, iron oak or something. Like, he's so big, man. And it's just such a great look. He's, like, he's shaded so you can... It's dark so you can see just enough detail of his face and outfit. But you can tell he's still kind of shrouded. It's so good. He's got the shirt open, shorts, sandals. He came here to relax. You know? Cartier frames on and shit. <laughs> For a rich man. This picture of the kingpin wearing buffs. <laughs> <laughs> Detroit kingpin. Nah, that goes kind of crazy. Though. <laughs> Fur coat, buffs. You know. You catch him courtside in a Pistons game. Yeah, that goes kind of that goes kind of hard, man. <laughs> Uh, and so it's like local pusher down there said he met Daredevil's old lady. Uh, his old old lady, I mean, says for an armful she sold his name, his real name, I mean. He says, I know what you mean. Give it to me. Also, I can't see the kingpin without thinking of the voice he does. It uh, his voice from the Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, it's anonymous. <laughs> yes, I w- I still want that gas. Yes. <laughs> And you better deliver. And you better deliver. <laughs> so nobody, uh, nobody needs to be told. They all leave fast as they can without looking like wimps, except for Wesley. Wesley, of course, all he always sticks around for any last-minute orders, which is why everybody's so nice to Wesley. Turn the yacht back to New York. Locate everyone who's touched this envelope or has spoken to anyone who has, and await the kill order. In the meantime, I shall test. Six months pass. 
Winter hits Manhattan like an unwanted relative. That is an incredible metaphor. <laughs> Drops him with no warning and seems to stay forever. Or as my dad would call it, Uncle Jerome. <laughs> oh, <It's>, shit. <laughs> it spreads a thick white blanket that makes, the clean, that makes the city look clean for a few hours until the snow gets stepped on and driven over and made gritty and dirty made gritty and dirty gray. Matt Murdock is blind, so he misses the prettiest morning of the year. All he gets is hissing pipes and an East Coast chill that goes straight for the bones. Matt Murdock is also Daredevil. That's why his life is about to fall apart. Daredevil. He rolls the name across the bruise that is his mind. Comforting it isn't, but at least it's real. Every other part of him is so far away. I don't drink, he thinks. I didn't drink last night. This only feels like a hangover. Daredevil. A victim. That's what I am. That, that's what Daredevil is. A victim of radiation that gave me superhuman acuteness of, of four senses and plunged me into a world of eternal darkness. I didn't ask for it, but I became Daredevil. I fight crime. That much I've done right with my life. I listen to the muffled beeps and bleeding of a grouchy city gone grouchier. I shake one or two of the cobwebs from my brain. Why did I get up this morning? Don't have any appointments. Don't even have a job. And I'd better lay off crime fighting until my knuckles heal. A tiny icy draft cuts across my lower calf, reminding me. Drafts from the mail chute. I heard the mail slip through and hit in slip, uh, slip through it and hit the floor. That's what woke me up. That's why I got out of bed. It's about time for the job offers to start coming in. I read the envelopes with my fingers. The embossed ones are easy. Going by the scant impression of the ink on the others is a pain this early in the day. Nothing with the masthead of a law firm. Word must not have gotten out that the hottest attorney since F. Lee Bailey is up for grabs. Amazing how long it takes for the news to circulate when you want it to. No. No offers. Three, uh, three bills, something for the March of Dimes. The plastic rectangle of a cassette tape from my girlfriend can't be good, she, since she lives in town. Letter from my bank saying they haven't received my last two mortgage payments. Trust them to screw, every, screw up every chance they get. And a notice from the Internal Revenue that my tax files are being audited and that every penny I have is frozen until the audit is complete. All this before coffee. Matt, this is Glory. I've been trying to call you for days now. You don't seem to be home much. You're never home for me anyway. Also, so she basically sends him like a like a a dear John tape. Matt mm -hmm. is not listening. Yeah, he's actively on the phone with his accountant. And he's playing the tape. He just is <laughs> He could not do one after the other. He's like, I gotta do both of these things at the same time. You know what I mean? And it's crazy because it's like I know he doesn't have to play it loud because he's super hearing. But like, does the person on the phone not hear this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because she, like, Gloria's breaking up with him. She says, I'm out of patience, Matt. Uh, the way you treat me, I'm through with you. If maybe if you'd let me in on what's plaguing you, I'd, but I'd appreciate you not making this uh, any more different, uh, difficult. What I'm saying is that I'd rather you didn't call me. And for a little bit of context, so in the last issue, Matt says that it's close to Halloween when 226 happens now they're closer to christmas 
So right. she was already pretty fed up with his shit then. A and month at ago. least a month has passed. At least. So that's a that's a woman fed up. I hate that you just put the song in my head. I'm so sorry. Uh, uh. <laughs> you no, know he doesn't own any of his publishing. Somebody could cover that and it would be fine. Yeah, yeah. But you know you know what the slippery slope is? Like you could do a whole project where it's like, hey, we're we're reclaiming his music for people that don't suck. But then somebody's gonna inevitably well, you know, I gotta give tribute to a great artist. And then it's, it's like, alright, but it'd probably be Jaheen. Like <laughs> <laughs> or Tyrese or somebody. Oh I feel like you know you ever realize there's a generation of people who don't know Tyrese can sing? There's a generation of people who just know him from Fast and Furious. Holy shit, you're right. It's like a generation of people don't realize The Rock at one point was the biggest wrestler in the world. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. Very very Mm. weird. Very weird to think about. They they don't know nothing about Flex Cavana. (laughs) Uh, The Pineapple Head, Rocky Maivia. So Matt gets a subpoena uh, demanding his presence at a grand jury hearing, not as a witness. And so he, uh, uh, an hour later uptown, Matt's talking to uh, somebody who's like, uh, you're a disease, Matthew. I'm risking my standing just by talking with you. If the charge had come from any other cop, any other Matthew, but Nicholas Manilis, 20 years of impeccable performance, I know his record. Far be it for me to judge you, but this is a sworn statement from Lieutenant Manolis saying he saw you pay a witness to perjure himself in that Hendricks case. I can't believe Nick Manolis would do this, not for anything. He says, we never had this conversation, Matthew. Also, I should add, this man says Matthew every time. Yes, and you know, and t- I had a note about it that I couldn't place what fucking accent that was supposed to be until I heard you say it this now. And then it made sense. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's what that is. Okay. Because I read the first one. I was like, is that a typo? I thought it too. Mo- and then it's like, no. It's like, Matthew. He says it three times. Yeah. And it's with a W every time. Just <sighs> gross, gross, gross. Matt like, leaves and the lady's like, <laughs> Wait, have what? a nice day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Don't push it. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Foggy's face here because the next one is Foggy gets to Glory's house which is you shouldn't leave your door locked like this he says it's not Glory and Foggy looks like <laughs> oh my god he looks like he's wearing this fucking bow tie he's he got it fully dressed for this he's wearing a yeah. bow tie his hair is like he's doing like a Richie Rich thing you know he looks like nice overcoat. He, he looks like what's the Francis from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> this my boy, my father says I can have whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> he's coming to cut the ribbon on a local clinic or something. <laughs> he just, he's about to get. The, he's about to give Luke Cage the key to Harlem. You know, he looks like a cartoon mayor. You know, Mayor Foggy Nelson would not be that bad of a story. Mayor Foggy Nelson. Marvel, if you're listening. You know? Foggy Nelson. You've got ideas, Marvel. Well, well, actually, I just remembered Luke Cage is the mayor of Marvel New York now. What? (laughs) 
Welcome to the Fallout of Devil's Reign. Luke is mayor of New York. How? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> My mayor wears a tank top. <laughs> That's great. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, as revealed in Devil's oh, Reign shit. number six, Luke Cage is mayor of New York City now. That's crazy. That's so funny. Uh, I'm so glad you didn't know that. I'm so glad I got to see your reaction to that in real time. Yeah. There's nothing you could have ever said to prepare me for the worst Cage is the mayor of New York. <laughs> anyway, Glory is... In her house, her house is fucked up. And she's like, what kind of people would do this? Hateful city, hateful, scares me worse than Belfast bombs and all. They've ruined pit my pictures, Foggy. What kind of people? He says, you're safe, Glory. That's what counts. Come on, I'll fix you up a cup of coffee. No, not here. With everything broken and skewed around, I can't stay here tonight. So, they don't, it does not show where Foggy is going. It doesn't show what happens. The assumption, and we figured this out later, they go to Foggy's house, which is a natural thing for the story to be telling you is going to happen, given what happened in 226. Right. Which I think that's why they started including that in the truth and stuff. Right. Because it, without context, it does seem kind of weird. Yeah, that Foggy yeah, is that's... just like immediately moving in on Matt's girlfriend right after she breaks up with Matt. <laughs> exactly. The when same thing. reality, they've been getting very close over the last month. Cut to everyone's favorite Marvel reporter, Ben Urich. Which one thing I love is that um, in this book, and I I don't know if they continue this after. It's kind of foggy to me, but um, all of his narration is in typeset. Like it's in yes. a newspaper. Yeah, it's such a good idea. Uh, and so he, uh, Robbie Robertson gives him a... Uh, gives him like a, a press wire and says Matt Murdock faces a host of criminal charges including bribery, perjury, and misconduct. He says Matt Murdock is the most honest man I know. And so Ben calls he, uh, he calls Matt and he's like, hey Matt, uh, I just heard he says, I have no statement for the press. Matt, if it's off the record, you know you can trust me. He says, uh, and it's a chuckle, like dry ice cracking. He says, Matt, I'm your friend, remember? He laughs. The line goes dead. The laugh seems to echo through the office. I try to match it with the man who saved my life. I worry not about his honesty. And then it just trails off. And it's great because that's the that's the start of the paranoia of Matt. Yes. That you can see setting in. You know what I mean? Matt like in the past that, issue. That everyone is out to get him. That nobody cares about him. Because that was what that thing is with Glory when he gets home and she's only left the one message. He, he, it's not that she only left one message. It's that she's the only person who called and she left the one message and that was it. It was like, wow, nobody fucking gives right. a shit. Nobody ever calls me unless they need something. Nobody wants to, like, just talk to me. He feels and like it's great used. Because you kind of see it start from apathy and kind of, like, annoyance. And now it's just straight up antagonistic. Like, Ben right. Urich's his friend. Like, yes. Ben Urich knows his secret identity, and he just laughs him off and hangs up the phone. Right. Like, ben Urich the, knows a lot of shit. Ben Urich knows perhaps too much. If there's anyone in the Marvel Universe who might know too much. Yeah. Have you, um, have you read, uh, 
what's it called? It's the it's a little five series thing called like a the end of Daredevil or it might just be Daredevil the or something. End of Days. That's what it was. Have you read that? I think so. No. It's um. It's I believe it's an other world thing, but it's actually a fun little read. Um. Uh, I won't spoil it because we're on an actual podcast, and I know if you don't care about spoilers, somebody will. Yeah. But it's it Ben plays a pretty pivotal role. And it's pretty good. I think it's a really good Ben Yurik story kind of buried underneath the Daredevil story. Also, this is really, this is just something I was thinking when I was reading this. I love that the Daily Bugle isn't just like a Spider-Man specific thing. Like, recently in X-Men stuff, the Daily Bugle has come into, yep. or come at, into play. Ben Yurik has come into play. But like, Robbie Robertson and Ben Yurik are kind of first and foremost like Spider-Man characters. Mm-hmm. Or more, at least more associated with Spider-Man. The Daily Bugle is, uh, but Matt Murdock. But like because of Marvel in the eighties, before they you know st- divvied up the rights and everything, it was a lot more of a cohesive, like collaborative world. So you could use yeah. a Ben Urich uh, in your Daredevil comic. You could use. Uh, you know, you could have uh, Professor X show up in a Spider-Man comic. And what I love about it is, I I love that I love that you see Ben a little bit more in Daredevil comics because he's explicitly working the crime desk. Yes, and it's like, yeah, you know, like Matt's working on cases. That that makes sense, you know. But it's definitely it. I, I'll say this: that I feel like it's a bit of a punchline to talk about Marvel's New York because everything happens there. Yes. But little things like that makes it feel like it's a living kind of entity with real, like, connective tissue. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. It goes a long way. Like, the one, th- like, a lot can be said about the uh, Defenders and that kind, the Netflix continuity. But all those oh. shows are connected. And even before those characters interact formally, like, Luke and Jessica interact in, their sh- in Jessica's show, but, like, having Rosario Dawson show up in other things, mm-hmm. having Jer- uh having Jerry show up in other things. Like, it's like, all these things are connected, and it should be. It should be a living, breathing world where all these people just happen to live. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, not to go on an MCU tangent, but I think that's one of the kind of missteps of the, the first few phases of the MCU is that when, like, when, when Infinity War and Endgame happened, it kind of all, it feels a little disjointed because it all just feels like it's kind of just crammed together right. all at once. Instead of like, you know, yeah, you know these things are connected, but it's still, it made it feel special in some ways, but in some ways it kind of felt like, ooh, y'all maybe should have spaced this know, out. Right. You know what I mean? Like realizing this is the first time a lot of these characters have ever met. Like I, like I pointed out to somebody at one point, like they know who each other is, but do you know if Thor and Bucky have ever had a conversation? No. They'd had the, like, not that we'd seen. Right. Like, you know Bucky knows who the fucking God of Thunder is that swings the hammer. Right. And you know that Thor has heard Steve tell stories about his partner Bucky, but you never see them interact. Right. Two huge parts of the Avenger story. Like, you never see any interaction. Yeah. Like, uh, like you know, everyone makes fun of the scene in, a, in Endgame where the, all the women team up. And it's like, the reason that scene is, like, maligned is, one, it's very clear what you're trying to do. Yeah. And two, oh, yeah. these women do not know each other. Yep. <laughs> like, they literally, there's, it's literally just, all right, ladies, let's do it. 
Like, <laughs> like Hope and Captain Marvel have never met. Yeah. I don't think Captain Marvel's met any of those people. Captain Marvel met all of those people today for the first time. You know what I mean? Because, like, the only the only female Avenger she knew was like, Ned. Yes, who is dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Matt's reading over his, his stuff, and he says, the bank insists ha- I haven't paid them. They threaten to foreclose. I lose my temper and yell at them, and they hang up on me. I pull out my checkbook and run my fingers across the stubs. They're written in ballpoint pen. Leaves a deep, easy-to-read grooves in the paper. I wrote the checks all right, on time, like all my bills. But there's no sign of them in my monthly statements. The bank never cashed them. Maybe they were lost in the mail. With my money frozen by the IRS, how can I... I hate money. So outside has turned the snow to sleet, trying to chip chip away the walls around me. Something loose and wild flows through the city. I feel my pulse quicken like a jungle drum. It's the night. I've always loved it. I grab the weightless bundle of cloth, the only part of my life worth living anymore. The one relief I can give myself when it all gets to be too much. She greets me with the blast of wind and her endless angry roar. She hums with power and tickles my legs with a thousand flirting fingers, laughs at me, blows a gust of filthy smoke in my face, tricks me with slippery stone, rattles her windows with the light as I move across her, feeling her warmth. And then the I was just about to say, God damn, man, you're gonna have to talk this filthy about the city of New York. And then the next line is Foggy someone getting nasty out there. It's like you damn right. Like like damn, man, you about the you about the city's hair, ain't you? You about to spit in the city's mouth. Damn, bro. Uh Boy, seems like just yesterday it was fall. No, well, true. This, it was it, yesterday. It was fall, Foggy. Suppose it was. Once more, decaf. Uh, so Foggy and Glory are just getting real close. Real cozy. Uh, too close. She's real making it comfortable. You could say she's making it hard for him. Now you got that song stuck in my head. Is that what this is? Like the look that Glory gives him, she she says, "Here, feel my hand," and he pulls back. He pulls back. He's like, "Oh, look at the time! I'm gonna bring it to bed." It's, it's great. I've never noticed this in print before, but I noticed it very- in the app. His face goes a. Full shade or red. Yes, like he is, he panel is panel. pink. He looks like Exodus. <laughs> like even if you like, if you look at him compared to his hand in the same panel. Yes, that man is about to bust. He's a he is freaking out, and she is looking at him. This is a fuck look. Yeah, this is come hither. This is the come hither look. <laughs> he says, "I'll take the couch." <laughs> that this is. That's such. That's crazy. I gotta, I gotta grab that panel. That's. Yeah, that's great. She she wants it, Nelson. Take uh, the shot, my friend. But Foggy Nelson is a good man. He wears ties. <laughs> Casually, Foggy I don't think Foggy has a job right now. Yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> he put that. He put that shit on. You know. He said, "I'm going out on the town." Great. Foggy uh, Nelson, King of Consent. 
you know that thing where it's like the myth of consent. I consent. I consent. Didn't you forget to ask someone? <laughs> it's foggy, glory, and the person he forgot to ask is Matt. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, meanwhile, Matt is breaking and entering. <laughs> Just, the music Just in casually the- in breaking. this man's kitchen. <laughs> Breaks into the into someone's house and he's uh, into the cop's house. He's twenty years, Nick. Why start lying now? He says, "Get out of my home." It's all wrong, Nick. I know you, and I know I have to know why you're trying to ruin Matt Murdock. He flinches at the name. I smell his oily, guilty sweat. Somebody being able to smell that you're lying is so fucked up. That's it's crazy. That's JoJo's bizarre adventure shit. That's yeah. It, it, it is. It's one of my favorite little things. Because um, somebody I, this was recently I was talking about uh, No Way Home, which that movie's been out almost a year now. Mm-hmm. There's no spoiler. Yeah, but in his cameo in that, somebody's like, "Oh, why didn't he defend Happy Hogan? Like, why didn't he offer?" It's like because he knows Happy's fucking guilty. He can hear he can hear Happy's guilt. Like, yeah, yeah he said, "Hey, do you know anything about this?" And Happy goes, "No." He's like, "All right, well." <laughs> You're fucked. <laughs> See you, pal. Because he knows Happy had some shit to do with it. Um, you know? And, so- and this guy, uh, this guy's like, leave, and Matt Dunn full on breaks the fucking beer bottle. It's your beer. Like, he's your house. Go. You were about to drink that. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> more importantly, importantly, you are in a kitchen, sir. You don't have no knives available? Fighting Daredevil in your kitchen uh, with spilled beer all over the place with your hard bottom shoes? You're going to bust your ass. You know? Also, he's wearing hard bottom shoes in his home at night. Yeah. Late enough that he's watching TV. Like, he should be unwanted. He just gets fucking thrown into the cornflake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thrown into the table and Matt just leaves. And so, uh,. He, he calls someone and says, he showed up. Yeah, Daredevil. I did what you said to. About my boy. The doctor said he needs that treatment soon. He goes on about his boy. How he'll say whatever they want from want him to say at the hearing. A symphonic version of the theme to Kojak is getting into full swing, so I miss the voice on the other end of the line. So I leave him at the mercy of his guilty conscience. I've learned this much. Somebody's out to get Matt Murdock. Somebody who knows the right buttons to push with the right people. But who and why? And this panel just points out Matt moves so great. Yeah. Like, in this panel, there's a, a little switch to show that he, like, jumped down into a spot and bounced from that into a cannonball. Yeah. Like, the only person that I feel like moves better in. Well, Sp- the Spider Men, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's it's so good. Uh, and he so he goes home and then finds out his fucking power is off finds out his phone is disconnected <laughs> just goes to bed <laughs> just has sleep for dinner <laughs> yeah <laughs> just swallows some spit and goes to sleep uh, you know the first the first thing Foggy Nelson feels this morning is an irritating knot at the base of his skull he forgets it as soon as he smells the frying bacon. 
and eggs and pancakes. Foggy thinks he's died and gone to heaven. Must have. That's an angel. She glances at him. He feels her smile before she sees it. Before he sees it, she doesn't say a word. Listen. The first time you wake up and a woman has cooked for you, or not even just wake oh, up, yeah, you you wake up or come home, and your significant and uh, your significant other, regardless of anything, has cooked for you, you know, oh, this is what it feels like to be loved. Yes, like the way. <laughs> The way he looks at her, like they don't even show his face, but you can see it so perfectly. Yes, like that's that's a man that is an awe. Yeah, and so uh, like she's smiling, not even looking at him. She looks over at him, looks back at the pan, smiles, and the phone rings. Uh, so uh, she picks up the phone. Also, imagine being Matt here. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Matt calls Let's to talk to Foggy. And Glory and answers the phone. Up the phone. Like she literally goes, "No, you didn't miss now. Hold on, I put him on." <laughs> Says, "Hey, Matt. Whoa, hey, listen. The craziest thing happened last night. Uh, Matt, uh, it's hard to hear you, buddy. Where are you? A phone booth at this hour? <laughs> what? Did you say grand jury? No, I hadn't heard. Oh golly, oh golly." Uh, in this panel, Foggy Nelson looks like early Hulk drawing, like Jack Kirby <laughs> early Hulk. <laughs> That man is hung the fuck over. He is fuck. He got fucked up. He fell asleep in his clothes in his house. On his couch. On like, his couch. They, those decaf coffees had to be sp- like. There's no those way. Those decaf coffees had him twisted. Uh, so the next few weeks go poorly for Matt Murdock. Uh, basically, we find out that the. The kingpin has just like really fucked him up, and has been has had someone watching him, to, so that he can do a study of his deterioration as a person. And so, in one of these frames, it's a picture of kingpin holding three photographs of Matt. And so, I want to say right now, the state of comic book, we we've accepted the idea that you kind of twist and play with tradition a little bit. Yeah, but I want to point out that in the early 2000s, the only thing that people were being casted on was just straight looks. Yes. Do you look like this character? Yes. And this panel is why Ben Affleck got Daredevil. Yes, because that that's Ben Affleck. Just like him, down to the fucking chin cleft. Like that is exactly Ben Affleck's face. Like, and it's 1985. Nobody knew who the fuck Ben Affleck was. Exactly. So, like, I, I promise you that this was the. Fu- yeah. Nope, chin too weak. Like, <laughs> yeah, like they were putting that side by side, uh, and so it's most delicious are the nights as low level stoolies like distant nerve, like distant nerve endings tell of increasingly violent, increasingly aberrant assaults by a warrior whose fists are no help against the corrosive gas that fills his life. Assaults which climax in an enlightening episode. It happens in a waterfront saloon. One he frequents to pry the information from the lowest echelon of my organization. Once he enters, now as an angry beggar with no sense of caution or strategy, he is a lost man thrashing. Matt Murdock! Who's gonna talk about Matt Murdock? No one tells him anything of value. No one could but I. For I have kept my movements scattered among a dozen lieutenants, none of whom possess more than a single scrap of information. 
Daredevil is Matthew Murdock and more. Oh, it's also, I have been given the world, from Stilson to Karen Page, all who might know will die. There is a rift inside him, a wedge steadily weakening his reason, steadily driving him insane. The hearing is made noteworthy by the performance of Franklin Nelson, whose eye for legal detail and imaginative use of precedent caused me to make a, make a note to have him hired. He said, damn, Foggy, you're good as shit at this. And once again, Foggy got this shit on. He got three-piece suit, bow tie. You know, he's doing the he's doing the traditional Southern lawyer walk. Like he's got this shit. I do declare, looking boy, <laughs> Colonel Sanders face ass. You know, got the curly cues on point. So basically, Matt does not go to jail. Uh, he does lose his law license. And so, <laughs> Kingpin says he faces poverty and public shame. He will be hounded by Dr. Tax Files, deprived of his very home. Survival will become his only concern. Perhaps I will hire him what is left of him after a time. After he has learned how powerless he is, his talents would be valuable and his honor crush itself he thinks taking the biggest puff of a cigar up pack up pack <laughs> daredevil pack in the air <laughs> r.i.p bozo <laughs> his talent yes any man as so dedicated to pretend to blindness in daily life has surely developed a range of methods and techniques that would be an asset to my enterprises note Kingpin still thinks Matt is faking it. Yeah, which is that that's a common thread is that so many people are just, there's no fucking way he There's no it. fucking way this guy can be blind. Which is why it kind of it annoys me in the TV show that they did that whole world on fire thing because it's like no, Matt's actually fucking blind, man. Yeah. Like he's really blind. He's just uh don't get me started on that. I love that show, but that is one plot point that really pissed me off. Like uh, but back to Kingpin and him just walking this fucking decadent success of ruining Matt's life. It's Seth so Rollins good. shit. This is, uh, Seth Rollins after he, uh, after Cody took off his coat and you can see how torn his peck was. Ha <laughs> 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 motherfucker laughs like Waluigi. <laughs> kind of built like him too, a little bit. <laughs> yes. Uh, an, an efficacious opponent. Still intrigues me. Still, I am not satisfied. I should not tamper with this. I am well positioned. I should leave him to the misery that awaits him. I must deny myself the exquisite pleasure of a killing stroke. This motherfucker is about to jerk off to the man's misery. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is going to find him a local sex worker and take those photos of Matt and Misery on her back. <laughs> And just go to town. <laughs> this man is taking it to the next level. <laughs> Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. And so Matt and Foggy talk, and Foggy says, I just feel awful, Matt. He says, you were brilliant, Foggy. You kept me out of prison. I haven't done much to deserve this kind of friendship. They shake hands, and they hug. And meanwhile, Karen, still in Mexico... 
uh, never stop being hot here, but Karen Page is cold, shaking with cold from head to foot. It shrieks along her arms and legs, and strum her stomach lurches like an airplane engine starting. Got no money, but still have some of my looks left. He said that, said that I still have some of my looks. Enough for some of my looks. I'm just 25. Karen is only 25. Jesus. This woman looks like a skeleton, man. Yes. The, the drugs have had... I don't know if I, I, we like explicitly said it earlier. Karen is a drug addict at this point. She yes. is addicted to heroin, I think. Yep. Um, which comics in the 80s loved like somebody is addicted to heroin. Yeah, that was a big thing, man. Like Roy Harper. Karen Page gets done... Like, she gets done so dirty, man. Oh, yeah. Like, It's like fucking bullseye kills her, right? Uh, yeah, yep. Like, and it's such a. So the way he does it is, it's in a story that I've referenced it a couple times called um, "It's either in Guardian Devil or right after." And like, Mysterio, it's that first run in the night, that second run in the nineties, uh, Daredevil Volume Two, so ninety-eight, yeah, ninety-nine. That sounds right. Yep. And like Mysterio, like I think it's Mysterio, tricks her into thinking that either because of her drug addiction or they vaguely allude to the fact that she does adult films at one point. Yes. And they convince her that through one of those means she's HIV positive. And like, she isn't to my knowledge. I think it's all a trick. Yeah. And then eventually, and then eventually Bullseye just fucking kills her. Yeah. And like laughs in Matt's face as he does it. So bad. It's, it's she like, a lot of people will say that, oh, they're putting too many women in these... Like, people don't like that there's so many women, like, superheroes now. I would call those people geeks. Uh, yes. And not in a, like... Not in the fun way. Uh, what I think a lot of people fail to realize is that for a long time, a woman in a comic book, at best... You, like, best case scenario, you get to be a superhero. But the most likely scenario, uh, you are going to be murdered to give uh, to to drive a reason for a man to hate another man. And the, yeah, the tricky the... thing, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I know. Yeah, you go ahead. Uh, the, the tricky thing is that, like, when Jerry Conway killed off Gwen Stacy, it wasn't to drive like animosity between Peter and the Green Goblin. It does lead to the Green Goblin getting written out because in ASM one twenty two, Peter seemingly kills the Green Goblin. But it is more... Like, his idea for why he did it was he wanted to put mo pull more focus on Mary Jane and explore her as a character. Um, and then, over time, in the 26 years after that, it was just like, nope, this woman exists to get killed uh, so we can do a shock thing and make this man vengeful at another man for however long. Because um, Kyle And Rainer, what sucks about that... Yep. Oh, Kyle Rayner gets it. Probably one of the worst ones is, I mean, shit. He's with, he's who the trope is named after, right? Like, yeah. Where they shove Kyle Rayner's girlfriend in a fridge, where Major Force kills her and shoves her in a fridge. And it's, it, what's crazy about that is like, like you said, best case scenario is a woman in a comic would be a superhero, but that doesn't even save those characters, right? Yeah. Like you're hard pressed to find a a, a female superhero. Prior to being like, we'll say maybe mid two thousand, so like some of your newer cats, like um, like America Chavez and like uh, 
Kamala Khan. They haven't really had to deal with this as much. But any longtime female superhero, like, has had storylines of, like, being taken advantage of in some sort of way. Right. Like, oh, like, Carol Danvers. That whole thing with uh, her and her, what was it, her son that she ends up having the affair with or some crazy shit like that? Oh, God, yeah. Ugh. Like, Black Canary gets assaulted. Like, even if you are a superhuman woman who's, like, saving the world. Batgirl, the perfect example. Like, you could, you're still be victimized for plot development. Yeah, and like Karen gets it so bad because like her own arc is tragic enough, and then she comes out of it finally. Yep, and she's finally like, it looks like things are gonna get better for her, and they do for a while. Like she comes back in this story, and then is around until 1999. Mm-hmm. And like when she dies, it's it's brutal because. Not only does Bullseye kill her, but like Bullseye specifically takes one of Matt's Billy Clubs, a non-lethal weapon, and throws it so hard that it kills her. Like it's brutal. Like, ugh. Mm. It's hard to think about, really. <laughs> yeah. Like fucking Derek, not Daryl, Bullseye, two for two of just violently killing Matt Murdock's girlfriend. It's like. Yeah. But yeah, long story short, anybody that tells you having more female representation in comics, fucking do it. Yeah. And you should follow tradition and put them in a fucking lock. Yeah. Shove those nerds in lockers, give them swirlies, etc. Atomic wedgies, the whole thing. <laughs> Atomic wedgies gotta count as like a crime. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's gotta like, be like a, a attempted murder. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like a premeditated assault, an atomic wedgie. You know? What kind of elastic you got in these fucking bands, bro? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so she, Karen get opens the door and finds the guy she'd sold Matt's name to uh, slumped over dead and someone else standing over him. Um, and she runs and thinks of Matt. Uh, tears streaming down her face. Uh, Matt's walking home and he says, I got 30 days to avoid repossession of my house by paying out money the IRS won't let me near. 30 days and $10 in my wallet and I'm not a lawyer anymore. I'm not defeated. Not yet. Maybe. Maybe I've been thinking about it all wrong. Looking for a single enemy to, put, to pin it on. Maybe it's everybody. Maybe it's an from Internal Revenue to Con Ed to Ma Bell to Glory. I call Foggy at 7 in the morning and Glory answers. Foggy, he's in on it too. No, Foggy stood up for me. Foggy fought for me, but that could be part of the plan. What am I thinking? Just And to, to, to see if you're keeping score, he literally just hugged Foggy Nelson two pages earlier? Yes. Like, this man is down bad, man. Yeah. And he, that's why he's like, wait, what am I thinking? And he says, I just need to I just need to sleep in my own bed. Uh, and he says, my legs are shaking. I must be nervous. And he says, no, that's the pavement. The pavement is shaking. The building fucking explodes. And there's this great shot of his house smoldering wreckage of his house and the reflection of his glasses. That's so good. I wish it was a full panel instead of like a ice, but yeah. it's just such good artwork. 
distance, I hear a baby crying. No, not a baby. Sirens. Fire trucks. I guess I've been standing here for a while. Firemen take forever to show up. Traffic gets in their way. Dust. The dust is thick. Could choke on it. There's nothing left. And walks in and sees his costume and puts it together. So you know. So that's why. I never would have connected it to you. Nothing about it's a gangster until this. It was a nice piece of work, Kingpin. You shouldn't have signed it. That is an incredible line. It's a nice piece yeah. of work. You shouldn't have signed it. Yeah, it's it's so good. Like I just, I love. I have so much affection for this. Like, and I, I think what what really kind of snarled me about it is that, like, in a sense, my only connection to comic books prior to this was superheroes, but in other mediums. Yes. So like the cartoons, the movies, stuff like that. And when I read this, is when I realized how high stakes comics can really be. Mm-hmm. Like this guy, this kingpin guy, who's like the kind of evil but kind of goofy cartoon guy from Spider-Man, he just blew this man's fucking house up. He coordinated to the point where this man gets all this bad news at the same time. So that I could break him down. I set this plan into action six months ago. Like, it's beautiful stuff. To build it up to now so I could take everything from this man. Which this is his mo. He does this again during the during Back in Black. Yep. He's like, "Oh, I know who you are now. Fuck you, Peter Parker. I'm going to ruin everything." And what one thing I love that's a subtle look is that he knows who Daredevil is, and he could he could just as easily take this to the Daily Bugle. He could take this to the police, but he doesn't even want the people that told him to live to tell anybody else. Yes. He wants to be the one to have that information. He wants to be the one person who knows. Like, so he can be the one person who ruins his life. And I can promise you when, like, everybody found out who... I know he was kicking himself that other people... Oh, he was mad as shit that other people knew who Spider-Man was. (laughs) You know what I mean? He he was mad as fuck. That's why he's like, I'm gonna kill this dude's fucking aunt. Um, like fuck man so it says they're only human they do their best not to think of them think of him and what he used to be to Foggy Nelson he was best friend partner and best friend to Gloriana O'Brien he was the man she loved they do their best and they're these two are just fucking playing house at this point yeah um and so uh the phone rings, and it's it's Matt, and he doesn't make any sense. But Glory, um, Glory answers. She's crying. She doesn't know what he's talking about. She doesn't. He is not making any sense to her. Um, it's the windows closed. So Matt is in this tiny like motel room. It's damn near a fucking closet. Like, it's like a, there's enough room for him to take his boots off. But he's got everything else piled up on the dresser, the bed. It looks like he's in jail. Yeah, it does. Um, uh, 
The window's closed, but you never know it. Not with the stiff breeze that's blowing through it, giving me a sweetheart of a cramp in my lower back. Six inches of snow outside and still no heat in the room. And here I'd planned staying at the, staying at the plaza. That was before I had discovered that the, the IRS had m made my credit card so much worthless, the, so much worthless plastic, left me with ten bucks to my name. I made a hotel. I found a hotel that made change. He says this place smells like rat hair. Which is hilarious because there's a fucking huge rat under his bed on, uh, yeah. at the last panel on this page. Like, just fucking hanging out. It looks like a fucking possum. Yeah, it's fucking gigantic. Um, and he, to get more into the paranoia, he says, like, I'd rather stay with a friend, but show me one and I'll stay with him. Show me one single person in the world who hasn't betrayed me. Blind, now I'm just a blind man. A blind man who's lost his job, his livelihood, his home, his curl, whose fate gave him the ability to hear and smell and touch better than anybody in the world can, which is a great way to catch all the misery of being alive. Jesus. He says, everyone is working against me. It's like all the evidence kept piling up. The phone company, the power company, IRS, the grand jury, my best friend, my lover, the list goes on. All of them working together. No, no, that's, I'm, it's a kingpin. The kingpin, yes. He's the only real enemy I have. I've caused him a lot of trouble fighting crimes since that's his business. It follows that I'd cause him trouble. It makes sense that I'd cause him trouble. It's the kingpin. Somehow he found out that I'm Daredevil. And so Matt is like, I'm going to, I'm going to go find the kingpin. And I am going to kill him. And he's I'm like, going no. to kill that motherfucker dead. And he goes, wait, no, I, I don't do that. I'll just beat him until he gives me promises to give me my life back. I'll get up right this minute and walk out, walk to the door, leave the room, and he just goes back to sleep. And then we cut to Kingpin, who, uh, first of all, an elite fit. That Incredible this fit. This is <laughs> this is Suge Knight. If I'm not mistaken, I think this is the outfit they used for Spider-Man team in the 90s, right? I think so. I think in the cartoon it's white. Okay, yeah, it's white pants in the cartoon too. Okay. Yeah. But he's like, white white jacket, purple pants. And he's just like, mulling it over. He's like, ah, I love, I love fucking up Matt Murdock. He says, we're Matt. He says, that would have been a, uh, been the end of it all if it were not for the sweet discovery that Matt Murdock is a man on the edge. That even before his ruin, he was nearly mad. Were Murdock tied to a rack, slowly torn limb from limb, begging for mercy? The spectacle could be no more pleasurable to behold. The kingpin looks at his city and thinks of how wonderful it is to be alive. Like this motherfucker looks like Norman Osborn in his last panel. Like, yes. he's pure evil. Like, <laughs> god damn. <laughs> Two blocks away, some idiot is playing a radio. Matt is back in this bed that is a, almost too small for him. Yeah. <laughs> and so Matt manages to get up, start to walk out of the door. Like, he gets fully dressed. And he's like, all right, I'm going to get some food. I'm going to go to the gym. He says, wait, no gym. The kingpin blew it up. Maybe I'll hit the kingpin. Walk out the door. And so he goes to walk out the door. And this happens in his mind here. 
where he walks out the door, a kind stranger gives him a ride uptown to the Kingpin's headquarters, and he beats him out and makes him beg for mercy and gives him his life back and surrenders to the police, and everybody knows it's him who beat him, and there's a parade. <laughs> the end, there's a parade part. It fucking got me. You know? But no, that motherfucker is still in bed, fully clothed. His gloves are on. Yes, he got that dressed. Uh, and so he says, I'm not calling Glory. She doesn't deserve me. It's the operator I'm calling. Let's find out what time it is. Wrong. He calls me. He calls Foggy again. Uh, and then when he realizes it's Foggy, he hangs up the phone. And then calls him back to go, I'm on to you, Nelson. Like... So sinister. This panel of him hanging the phone up, that motherfucker looks so evil, man. Like, he just looks... He is... I am up to no good. I am going to problems. Like, Jesus. Then it happens. Footsteps in the hallway, coming this way, coming closer. Closer, breathing through his mouth like fat people do. <laughs> <laughs> Wheezing, grunting, stopping. And the look on Matt's face here is so good. Like, yeah, this is like, I want to study this picture to like fully show like, this is how you show fear. His eyes are wide. His teeth are gritted. His nostrils are flared. He looks petrified, man. Yeah. Uh, There's a knock at the door. Murdered curse. Keys jangling. Lock turning. The door opens and the, the guy says, Checkout was at noon, bum. So give your eight bucks or you're out on your... And Matt just fucking... One hand just chokes this guy out. Like, makes the fucker go limp straight backwards. <laughs> this man is on his knees. Matt's like, I know who sent him. No, you don't. He's the hotel manager. <laughs> He's doing his job, man. He's doing his job. Pay him. He says, uh, it is indeed behavior of the least normal sort that I observe while perusing Matt Murdock as per your advisement, Kingpin. He drops the hotel manager to the floor as one would drop a bag of fish, which one does not want. Whereupon he exits said hotel to walk to the 14th Street entrance of of the Uptown D train like a man repossessed. Kingpin is lifting a hilarious number of weights here. (laughs) Seated. And also, (laughs) a very, very minor detail, Kingpin, the combined weight of Kingpin and what he's lifting is enough that you can see the bench buckling. (laughs) Yes, the bench is like fully bending. (laughs) Like an old couch underneath him. Like, god damn, man. It always annoys me that they say the Kingpin is because no human being is that strong. Like, oh, he's peak human. No, no, that motherfucker's a superhuman, man. Yeah, yeah, he has, like, some sort of, like, metahuman gene or something. Because he is big as shit and strong as shit. Remember like, Spider they a... Island when he got six arms and was the scariest shit they'd ever seen? Yeah, like, he needs a classification of, hey, he doesn't have, like, any kind of metagene, so we can't say he's superhuman, but he's not normal. Like him, Bullseye, Hawkeye. Like, the, normal people can't just do this with practice. Right. You could practice like, this something for, different. for a decade and not be able to come close to what this guy's doing. 
You know what I mean? I've said it before on Twitter, and I'll say it here officially in the canon. Uh, they need to give him the power of the juggernaut. Oh, my God. Like, tell me that him sitting there, he still has on the same, like, purple and white suit, but he's got the juggernaut helmet now, still smoking a cigar. <laughs> that would go so crazy. Who would be able to stop that? Yeah. Uh, we see a flash of Matt Murdock on the train where a bunch of youths with pistols have decided to rob the train car. Matt just sits there and watches these people get the shit kicked out of them until they come around to him where he smirks and then beats the dog fuck out of these guys. Like, throws the dude's gun. Like, he punches one dude so hard, the guy, like, rears up like fucking Michael Jackson. I was gonna say, he looks like he's in the, the video for bad. Like, shit. Full split leg kicks in jeans. <laughs> That's Johnny Cage, man. Yeah, man. Fucking uh, these guys up. They compare the sound of this guy's jaw breaking to a Coke bottle bursting. Like, shit. Uh, it says that Matt rearranges this other guy's spine, and the third one shoots, and Matt just. Matt puts his head through the glass. Like, god damn. Just actually splits his wig. The, the train, <laughs> Literally. The train gets the train opens, and then the cop yells a command. Matt drops the cop too. Like one hit KO. With the cop's own bully billy club. And Kingpin says, I could not dream of a more perfect hell. I en- I envy you, little you blessed little. You have witnessed the death of a noble man. His pleasures are come. His coming attack will be nothing compared to this. You think he's coming here? I know it. So Matt calls Foggy again. And he's like, the, uh, he says, you know, I just beat up a cop. It's the kingpin. I keep thinking everybody's working for him. And oh, yeah, I know that. I Practically everybody is working for him. But this was just a cop. And there was no reason to... What? Are you sure? Well, maybe the cop, but something's wrong with me, Foggy. But if I go there, I'll try to kill the kingpin. But, but, okay, buddy. I'll give him my best shot. And then the he drops the phone, and we see he was not talking to Foggy. He was talking to the operator this time. You know, the straight, the straight tone. And he just walks away still. He still has that cop's Yes. And he's a man on a fucking mission. Meanwhile, back in Mexico, Karen slump Karen is slumped over a phone trying to call Matt. Um, the operator says that the number has been disconnected, but she knows she got it right. Matt would never move. He loves that house, and she makes the operator check for her. And there's no listing. And there, and she then she sees them, and Karen Page knows she has to run again. Seeing Karen like this, like, actually, like, really, like, it's it's such a bummer. Like, deeply yeah. upsetting. Yeah, it doesn't feel good, man. Yeah. And, like, she's actively being chased by these guys that are trying to kill her. And it's, yeah. like, it's not paranoia. Like, Kingpin gave the kill order. These guys are actively. Yeah, one of them like, shot at her. And she's just running for her life. Like, yeah. Meanwhile, at the bugle, uh, 
Ben Yurick is talking to J. Jonah Jameson. He's like, says, yes, he's a friend of mine. That's why I know there's something rotten going on here, Jonah. Look pretty cut and dry to me, Yurick. Your pal Murdoch got caught with his pants down. Matt's straight, Jonah. You don't know how straight. <laughs> Tell that to archive of her own. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the king. He says, this is a frame job by the kingpin. He's like, the kingpin? What the devil's a blind lawyer got to do with the kingpin? I can't tell you that, Jonah, but I can. T- but I want this story, and I'll write it for one paper or, an- or another. It's unlike you to take a stand, Ben. So Matt goes in. Fisk is expecting him. Uh, and uh, Foggy and Glory are sitting on the couch, covered in shadow. And this is, I love the way that comic books use the color blue to show shadow. Yeah. So they are it's still, really it's the blue from out, from like it being nighttime, but they're still shaded um, to give their, to give them depth. Uh, so it's, and Glory says, when a bomb went off back in Ireland, it was like this, waiting, not knowing. He says, I can't bring myself to call the cops. And Matt walks in to Kingpin's gym. Kingpin is standing there in his drawers. Like, there's a there's a lot of ear new Kingpin. Kingpin like, got, got as close to naked as he could. For this experience. Because he... And I just want to point that out. Like, it, it honestly does feel kind of sexual because he knows Murdoch is coming. Yes. He's made that clear. The receptionist says he's waiting on you and he's waiting in his gym in some fertile rooms. Like, this man could have been waiting in a full fatigue ninja suit or some shit, but he chose to be in his skivvies for this fight. He's, he's in here in his granny panties. He's a... Like... And Matt takes a swing at him, and he swings this motherfucker like Ken Griffey. He's he just he's, hits him in the, in the stomach with a fat fight. And a fat, a thwack. Like he breaks the kingpin's nose, and the kingpin just smiles at him. Cracks this him across the side of the head. chops and shit. Yeah. And then eventually, the kingpin grabs hold of Matt's arm, and playtime is over. Mm. Uh, it reminds me of when you remember when Brock Lesnar first came to came to the WWF, and the Hardys would just try to hit him with whatever they could to get him out of just, there, and he would he just, just shrug that shit off. He's just fucking double power bombing Jeff Hardy. <laughs> like it's nothing. It's they hit they hit him with one of the sickest chair shots I've ever seen in my life, and he proceeded to kick the shit out of them. Uh, he grabs his arm with a big thap sound and then just whack, scrank. And then he hits him one more time and the pa- whole panel just goes red. Yeah, but I was going to say the blood, the red of the blood on this, uh, in this fight is so vivid, it stands out so well. Yeah. Uh, and so it says, it would be a joy to end it there. Something about the man brings the kingpin to a bloodlust he has not felt since his youth. It takes an effort of will to restrain himself from tearing Murdoch limb from limb. But the kingpin is a careful man. There are details to consider. Murdoch's death must be neither mysterious 
but nor suspicious. There must be no room for questions, no cause for investigation. Unconscious but living, Murdoch is placed in a stolen checker cab. The cab is driven off Pier 41 into the East River. Its safety belts and doors are, are corroded shut by a chemical process that is identical to rust. Murdoch is drenched in, a, in whiskey. A bottle open is laid in his lap. The owner of the cab is beaten to death by Murdoch's stolen billy club. Days pass into weeks. Still, Murdoch is never far from the crime lord's thoughts. The, he imagines one last terrible moment of realization. Of Murdoch thrashing wildly, desperately, hatefully, screaming soundlessly into the poison water. The kingpin shudders at the thought in pleasure. The world seems flooded with sunlight. Daily business becomes a joyous childlike game. He has disgraced, destroyed, and murdered the only good man he has ever known. This is the triumph of the spirit. At last the cab is discovered. There is blood and bloody evidence of a struggle. There's a shattered windshield, a safety belt, severed by the windshield's glass and what have must have been a hideous effort of will. There is no corpse. There, there is, is no, no corpse. corpse. There is no corpse. And Matt, it shows Matt dragging his body, dragging himself into an alley, drenched from the, from the river water. And, uh, What's fun to think about that I'm just kind of putting together in my head now. Um, that fight is why in, in uh, Back in Black when uh, Peter comes to fight him, he's so confident because he's already almost beaten a super death before. He, know, he, he knows it's it. possible, right? He's like, I but got But then it. you realize he's never felt a full-strength Spider-Man punch right. before. Still has it because Spider-Man could have knocked his head clean fucking off. No, he wanted but to feel it. That first backhand is a wake-up call. He said, whoa, what the fuck? Since when can you do that? You know? Uh, so issue 229 opens with uh, narration from Matt. I never believed that business of your life flashing in front of your eyes before you died. Never thought there could be enough time. There's too much to life. But there's horribly really, but there's really horribly little that counts. A sunny day bright and pretty the last day i will ever see and it show it replays the radioactive isotope falling out of the thing hitting him in the eyes and so people talking you can hear uh and it's he's recalling the conversation says, look at his face that thing is it radioactive yes yes it courses through my blood it changes me my blood it burns it spurts from a heart that's pounding so loudly it's trying to beat it's trying to burst from my chest. My blood, it gushes through high power hoses and slams against the base of my skull. Everything hurts. I don't know where I am. Sandpaper scrapes my skin every time I move. No, not sandpaper. Sheets. Starched sheets. I'm in a bed somewhere and the smells. Chemical smells. Disinfectants. Hospital. I'm in a hospital. The door swings open on screaming hinges. People come and go, smelling like bathtubs full of sweat, smelling like eaten food, like Italian sauces and half-digested eggs. They stab me with long, sharp needles. They fill me with drugs, but the drugs don't fool me. I know they cut my face. I can feel it, you idiots. Can't you stop? See, there's nothing. 
you can do to stop me from feeling it, everything hurts. And he's this is happening kind of two at once. He's re uh, replaying the memory of being in the hospital after his accident. After, his, uh, after the accident. Yeah. And it's a really, it's a lot of really good detail how he, not only how he physically literally feels, mm -hmm. but him realizing that he has superpowers, basically. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? He says, then past the fumes or whatever they use it is to clean the floor, there comes a voice, there comes a wave of whiskey, a megaphone voice. And for the for his dad talking, because for all these panels, it's just been black. Ever since he lost his sight, it's all just been black. And so in bright pink letters, son, can you hear me, son? The doctors, they say you'll be fine, son. You're a hero, boy. You just rest now. Like all the rest, breathes like he's 100 feet tall. So big, it's like I'm in him. It's Is that my father? And then he talks. Uh, it's a, Dad's anxiety paints the world red. He finally leaves, and it's another night of terror and the endless coughing of someone down the hall. Then soft steps, a soft woman's scent, a soft voice. Why does it hurt? It's just so loud, so smelly, everything. I see. This may not be a bad thing. What you could do with it, do with it? Just think of it as a blessing, man. It's yours. Yeah, and it's our secret. Don't tell anyone. Promise me now. She says, who are you? And she leans down and kisses his forehead, and he feels the cross hanging from her neck. And so he tells his dad, I can hear you. I can hear, I heard, like when his dad comes in, he's like, I can hear you a mile off. Just just sit down. Um, I, I, I'm all, he says, I can hear everything. He says, you were hit by something some corporation was driving through town, right through town. They won't say if it was radioactive. They won't even talk to me. It messed you up pretty bad, Matt. Uh, your face, well, I'm amazed at what you were, what they were able to do with it. You're going to look good as new, but it's your eyes, son. They, he says, I know I'm blind, Dad. There aren't bandages on my eyes. I've never heard of a hospital without lights. He says, well, you're, you're taking it well, son. He says, yes, I promised. And he says, I keep my heightened sense of secret, even from Dad. I find a teacher who helps me master them. And Dad is murdered, and I become daredevil and fight crime. And other things happen, a home, a career. But the other things are gone now, so they don't matter. Gone. The kingpin took them away. Found out my secret identity and took everything away. And I attacked him, and he killed me. Yeah, this is Christmas Day now. Yeah. Or it's like coming up on Christmas. Uh, like Christmas Eve. He says, uh... A foggy is walking through the streets with, with glory now. And he's got this foggy's got presents, they're talking. Somebody runs up runs up and grabs Glory's purse. And she goes, No, you won't! And like tackles him. Foggy drops a bowling ball he got for his he got for his old bowling partner, Pork Chop. And this man, the man pulls a knife on Glory. Foggy picks the bowling ball up over his head and fucking lobs it right into this dude's Which, face. First of all, there's no fucking way that guy's getting up. There's no way this dude there's, is A, alive, or B, able to run away. 
And second, like Gary pointed out in the Discord, this motherfucker's dressed like Charlie Brown. He's <laughs> exactly like Charlie Brown. And he just killed a man with a bowling ball. Like, the best Foggy Nelson moment in history right there. That, like, that is that ball weighs at least 14 pounds. And he just, like, picks it up two hands and just chucks it with force. Like, And Foggy is not a small man. Yeah, not at all. Foggy's a big bastard. He picks his up overhead and just walk. Crushes this dude's face. And the dude runs away. And the people do not give a fuck. Like, people don't give a shit that this just happened. They, somebody turns and looks at them as he walks by and goes, damn, that's crazy. <laughs> you know? Wow. That's crazy. Wouldn't let this shit happen to me, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Um... <laughs> Meanwhile, Ben is at Bellevue uh, Bellevue Hospital, uh, and he's like, uh, I'm a reporter. This is my Christmas story. And it's the, the cop from before. He's like, hey, how's your kid? And he's like, you, you again. You told me. I told you to leave me alone. He says, 20 years on the force. Spotless record. Didn't even take vacations. I was the kid. Just get out of here, Yurik. I got nothing to say to you. Nobody's heard from Matt Murdock in days. He might be dead. Quite a frame he was put in. Quite a frame. He says lighting a cigarette in a ho- in a hospital room. The 80s are a wild fucking time. You could just smoke anywhere. Like, like And then this this nurse who legitimately kind of looks like larger female foggy. Yes. This woman scares me. Yeah, she's horrifying. <laughs> this woman is huge. And she's just intimate, like an intimidating presence. She goes, no smoking in here. And Yurik puts it out and he says, you lied about Murdoch. You testified against him and got him disbarred and hunted by the law. All this you did for the kingpin, the top criminal in this town. You're not the first cop to go bad, Manolis. And it's not like you didn't have a reason. The best treatment for certain cardiac problems costs bags of money, more than a cop's medical plan provides. By the way, how's the kid? Complications. Going under the knife in an hour. Could die tonight. Matt is dragging himself through the streets while this is happening. Christmas Eve, how can it incident uh, cut away back to Mexico again? Uh, Karen says it's Christmas Eve. How can it be Christmas Eve when it's so hot? Christmas is snow and fireplaces and loved ones and pregnant presents. It isn't the Mexican sun and quaking from head to toe with a heroin withdrawal. It isn't robbing a blind man. The second ro- I've robbed, thinks Karen Page. Matt, I robbed Matt too. Sold a secret identity for a fix. And now I need another fix. And I need to get to New York. And I need to I need Matt to save me from men who are trying to kill me. I need money. So she reaches in this blind homeless man's like jar to grab money. He reaches out, grabs her hand. In a horrifying she, panel, by the way. It's so scary. Cause like his he doesn't have like pupils drawn. There's like spit hanging from his teeth. Like it's they make this guy look like a This dude looks like a zombie. He looks like a monster. Yeah, he does. He looks like a walker. He looks like a walking dead walker. And she fucking she cracks him over the head with his collection jar. Like, Takes the money and runs. Wrecks the shit. 
man is walking through traffic, eventually gets hit by a car. And then the guy driving the car is like, damn, that guy looks bad. And well, just the, driving. Who needs the grief? Who needs the grief of helping this dude who we just hit with our car? So, yeah, it's Christmas Eve, though. Listen, I got it's Christmas Eve. I got to get tree lighting ceremony. I'm not worrying about some dude that hit with my car. I got to get this. I got to get this bird in the oven. The Christmas magic will will heal him. I got to make cookies. And so Foggy is on the phone with his mom, uh, and he says, "I miss you too, mom." Or it's you know, it's Matt. You know, my partner it used to be. It's a whole thing. Um, you know, there's a chance I might hear from him, so I, I we're staying in. Um, things are going well. I've I've gotten several offers. I I know I said I, I'd call you. Um, and you know, it's it's not just that, mom. Uh, you see, I've met a girl. She's real nice, and Glory is is in the other room and hears this and turns and smiles. Their yeah. kind of budding romance is a really nice note in this book. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because they both, you know, as somebody who's a huge Matt Murdock fan, I'm also incredibly critical of Matt Murdock, if you couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. And they both deserve each other after the shit Matt puts them through. Right. Like, they were brought together by way of Matt kind of fucking them over. Meanwhile, these dudes are... These two dudes are uh, like who work for the kingpin are stealing, or ro- like robbing Santa Claus, like taking his suit and shit. And one of them is fucking Turk, which if you watched any of the Dirk, uh, any of the Netflix Marvel shows, Turk is in all of them, always getting his ass beat for information. Yes, <laughs> it's fucking Turk. Like he's got the smile and everything. It's great. Uh, and Matt comes up to me and says, "Take." Take it off. Steve, take your face off, man. It's just a bum, Turk. Already been beat up plenty from the looks. Is here. Buy yourself a bottle. And Dan's him $10, and Matt says, take it off. And then Turk just fucking sticks him. And it's also something that's really telling. From this point up until around the time he gets a new suit, this is the first time they show Matt's actual eyes unobscured. Yes. Because... Normally, if he doesn't have his shades on, they'll just kind of dark it out, or they'll show it behind the lens of his shades. But this is the first time you just see him just straight up, his eyes, his blue eyes just strip exposed, you know? Yes. And so they they run while Matt is, like, bleeding out in this alley. Um, meanwhile, Nick, uh, the, the cop, his son dies Christmas morning. And uh, ben Yurick says, if you want me to describe the way that makes me feel, you're a fool. Because he talks. None of it will make sense, but it will. None of it makes sense, but it will. I've got my story. I've also got a world-class nicotine fit, so I lead him out to the parking lot where I don't have to face any, where I don't expect to have to face any grouchy nurses. This woman looks what like a clay, this nurse looks Jeez. like Clayface. <laughs> She's so scary, man. <laughs> Like, she looks like she should be a Punisher villain. Yes. Jesus. She looks like she should be with the Russian. Yeah, like just beating the ever-living fuck out of him. Uh, Matt is gritting his teeth, bleeding in this alley. He says, it's not just the white knife wound. It's that rib of mine that popped like a wishbone when the kingpin slugged me. 
It had the decency to stay where it belongs until that car hit me. Now it's all loose and jagged, and every time I move, it cuts and gouges. I keep walking just because it's hard to... Meanwhile, in Mexico, Karen is approached by a man who says, I'm a fan of yours, of your movies, that is. A lot of men will say this to her, and it's always gross. Because Karen Barry. used to do porn. Very. Yeah, I'm a big fan of your movies. Which is a crazy thing to say to a woman who is very clearly, like, just not well. Yeah, like, she's clearly going through withdrawal. She's in bad shape. He's just, yeah, I like the, I like that. Uh, <laughs> let me not say what I was getting ready to say. Please continue reading. <laughs> also, it's worth mentioning that, like, before this, it had not been mentioned that this is what happened with right yeah they kind of they just like slowly allude to it which is is that a comics code thing yes they, they they never explicitly say that karen like did porn they okay but, um but it's the the very heavy implication because like she'll say uh like at one point she refers to it the stuff that came after the silver screen um, I think one guy was like, yeah, we, we always watch your movies at the stag parties and stuff. Yes. But they'll never just come out and say it, you know? Yeah. Um, he says, I'm a real fan of yours, of your movies, that is. And she says, the guy says, uh, I, she says, I need, he says, I can see what you need. He says, not, not just the junk. I need a ride to America. I can pay. And she says, the smack. For that, I'll take your money. But for the ride... Let's just say I'm going north anyway. Got deliveries. All I need is on the ride is company. Like I said, I'm a real fan. Ew. Ugh. Ugh. Makes me feel slimy. Makes me feel gross reading it. He's a, I'm a real fan. And Karen like turns away from from him. Uh, the dudes who have been following them come up, and they're like the senorita comes with us. And this dude gets a whole shot through his chest. He is so impressive. This dude throughout this comic is like fucking marksman supreme, apparently. He shoots a shotgun blast. Through, he's seating at a table. He shoots it upward through, through that, clean through this guy's back. Yes. Like that. Like, out through the if, back I, if you would just show me this guy's. If you would just show me this guy's body, I would have thought fucking Iron Man blast. <laughs> Like, what the fuck happened here? Like, no, this is a shotgun. This is a sawed-off. And then he takes it and fucking shoots the other guy. Like, it has got this, like, the blast from the shotgun is like, it's like a Doctor Strange is casting a spell. It's like a, this red radius of fire, like. He says, close the big kablam! And he grabs Karen by the wrist and says, you better be worth this. Bleeding inside and out. That rib won't stop. I can feel it all. I can feel it all. Hell's Kitchen. It smells like Hell's Kitchen. Why did I come here? It's the worst neighborhood in Manhattan. Good place to get killed. Right down the street. My father's home. My home. The only home I have left. And then, meanwhile, Foggy is giving Glory this... He's giving her a fucking Cuban link. You know? Uh, Identify all my bitches with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they they share a moment. 
it, their stuff really just serves like to break up like how heavy Matt's shit is. Yeah, because it's like you see, you see Karen going through and chased by him, and Matt's just being fucking ruined, and it's like your little palate cleanser. Yeah, like you know something's going right for somebody. Right, this is good. You know, it's got to mathematically. As the wind is cold, blows fast across the empty parking lot. When did they tear it? My hometown, father. They tore, they tore it down. Father, the gym, the gym. It will still be where it was. It has to be. Meanwhile, uh, Ben Urich and uh, Nick Manolas are talking, uh, and that. Uh, while they're talking the cop's like I sold out 20 years without fixing a ticket and I sell out and it doesn't even save my boy and Yurik turns his head and sees the nurse arch guy. he's like hey it's and she's walking up like fucking stone cold <laughs> like she business she's here to stomp a mud hole in his ass and walk it dry and she listen when we say she's a nurse She's wearing like 80s nurse attire, like the little white shoes, the hat and everything. And she fucking clean, she cleans this cop's clock. He falls like he's sitting up on the, the trunk of his car and she fucking wallops him. Mid-sentence. He's over there mourning his dead son and she just sends this guy for a ride. And it's great form on this punch too. Oh yeah. Like turns her weight, plants her foot. And lays him out. And Yurik's like, what the fuck are you? And she grabs him, fucking breaks his arm. And she's like, you are causing my employer some discomfort. And so my employer has asked me to make you, to make clear to you his position. His position is as follows. If you were a publisher, my, employee would, my employer would destroy your presses. Since you are merely a typist and it would not be persuasive to destroy your typewriter, my employer has made it. Uh, has asked me to make it plain that if you ever that every time you speak the name Matthew Murdoch, you shall lose the use of your fingers. And so she fucking breaks his hand, and he says the worst thing is that I don't pass out. I get to see what she does to Nick Manolis. And she proceeds, fuck this man up. Yeah, yeah. Matt is at Fogwell's gym. He says, it's still here. It still holds the smells, all the smells of all the years. The sweat, my sweat, father, and yours. You trained here. You trained and made me promise to stay away. So I lied to you and promised and came here anyway. I became a fighter, just like you. Endless stolen hours, on the ropes, at the bag. At the bag. On my mother's grave, you made me promise. The only joy I, could ne- I had, I could never share it. Now every other part of me is dead. Only the fighter lives. And he slumps over on the bag while uh, Karen thinks Matt as that man kisses her. Uh, and Just a then, gross panel. It's really nasty. Uh, Matt lays there uh, unconscious and this and a woman comes in. Uh, a nun comes in with a, with a gold rosary on and holds him in her arms. Meanwhile, the kingpin, still still in his drawers, <laughs> angry that there is no corpse. He says, for six hours, the thought has been ringing 
through his through his uh, through his skull. The man he thought he murdered, so exquisitely, so painstakingly, relishing in every precious step, from Murdoch's ruin to his emotional dismemberment, to that moment of savage fantasy when the kingpin's fist tore through him, cracking bone. The man he thought is murder. He thought he murdered is alive. This has got to be like. Listen, there's no, there's no tactful way to say this. Kingpin <laughs> is reacting to this like his orgasm was ruined. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Like, there's no other way to put it. Like, he, if you have ever been in the middle of doing a phone call that you have to take, and then afterwards you're just like, Nah, we just can't. Oh, it's so bad. Oh my god. And by the way, it's so gross seeing him work out like this. Because this man is in the gym using equipment in barefooted in his underwear. It's his gym. Nobody else is working out in here. You think the Kingpin would let anybody work out on his equipment? That's fair. That's fair enough. He'd give you a fucking but, muscle buster for thinking about it. But side note, I know it smells crazy. It smells disgusting in there. <laughs> The only Jeez. reason he, I would argue, the only reason he is wearing clothes at all is because this is a Marvel comic. If this was like, uh, like, yeah. if, if this was a book that Frank Miller was publishing independently, he would, yeah. for sure, put in the in the notes, Kingpin is naked here. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Actually, the, he, that is there for modesty. Which nothing. Oh my god, that sounds so uncomfortable. Working out naked, yeah. Yeah, Jesus Lift, Christ! Lifting weights, buck nude. <laughs> like you out here doing squats, and splits and shit. God, God's sake! Yeah, he says. Uh, we used to be a proper country. <laughs> <laughs> he says. Six hours spent training and straining, seeking the limits of his own inhuman strength, seeking the pegs past the thought there is no corpse. What is it about Murdoch? He was a. Minor catalog, a minor concern, a promising talent to be observed and cataloged and occasionally flattered, and then and perhaps one day to be turned the kingpin's way. But he is more than this. Now he is much more than this. He always was, and I, I have shown him that a man without hope is a man without fear. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, kingpin has some bars in this man. This yeah. is. And one thing I love was when, like, Frank Miller was really good at writing, like, monologues and stuff. And there are a few of them that really hit. But this, I think that one. Yeah, yeah. He's, Kingpin is a character you can always give, like, great lines to. Kind of like Magneto. Yeah, oh, God. Magneto in a hotspot saying, you have new gods now. It's so cool. Yes. It's so cool. <laughs> it's the iciest shit anybody has ever said. He said, I came to tell you, you have new gods. Magneto just fucking rules. Like, that one, um, that one, what tie-in is it? Where the aliens of Vague Krakoa and fucking... Oh, Empire? Yep, that's right, yep. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't wait for you to catch up on X-Men Red, because Magneto's got some bars there. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. It's really what I'm. It's I'm. I'm really excited to catch up. 
Matt, it opens with no heartbeat. He's gone. He says, no, he can't die. He says, I had an awful dream. Everybody hated me. Everybody took everything away from me. The, the kingpin. He's the only one. The kingpin of crime. He found out my secret identity and it wasn't a dream. Then Santa Claus stabbed me with a knife? No, it was Turk. Small-time hood. He was just dressed like Santa. Small-time hood works for the kingpin. Not a dream. And he, Matt wakes up uh, in the arms of this with this nun holding his hand. He's been bandaged up. Uh, he's fully grown his beard out. I gotta say, Matt with the beard is nuts. Yeah, feels wrong. It's it's a good look, but it does it feels wrong. It looks better than the stubble did. Yes. I'll give him that. That stubble looks really made him look sick. <laughs> look like a sick bastard. You know. Um, Karen is still with this man going through America. Uh, now they're in America. It says not too often she whispers the name quietly, facing away from her companion, the name that means hope. Matt. Matt will save her. He has to. And this panel of Karen's eyes is so good. Yeah. Too often. And so then it's the Kingpin beating the shit out of out of some dudes in black belts. Like, there's nunchucks being swung at him and shit. And he and I realized that there was a panel that I shared on Twitter a couple years ago that I thought was from this comic because he's in it in his drawers fighting a black belts with nunchucks i realized that was a different comic so this is just a hobby this is just how the kingpin stays in shape it's just being the fuck out of random karate experts yeah just just to test his strength it's like he's the kingpin he is the lord of crime he destroyed matt murdoch robbed him of his career his home of everything that constituted his life but murdoch is alive somewhere murdoch It's like the second of the year. It's like the day after New Year's. And Foggy signing a contract somewhere. It didn't click in my head until I was doing this now. But mm. he just signed a job with Fisk. Yeah. Yeah, he took a job with Fisk. Yeah. He says, uh, funny, my hand shook when I signed. I guess it was the salary. Honestly, Glory, I didn't believe they'd pay me so much until I saw it written down. Sure, and you deserve it, Foggy. That's twice what me and Matt ever made together. How long has he been missing there? Missing now. Eleven days and six hours. Ben Yurik is now just sitting here, hand crushed, uh, while the the nurse loads uh, loads the cop onto a gurney. He is fucked. He she fully miseried him. Yeah, like his legs are broken. His he's got holes in his chest. And Matt, he's, he's, he survives this, but it's bad. My name is Ben Urich. I'm a reporter. I don't even think of his name. And so... Uh, it cuts away to, uh, to Matt. And he says, when I was a whole lot younger, he explains everything about his backstory again. He says, everything from my life, everything else from my life is gone, except for the lesson I learned from my father. Never give up. Never. 
for most people, the, uh, Newark is the Empire State Building and the Statue of Liberty. For Karen Page, it's Penn Station, where she's first stepped off the train from New England. That must be why she asked Paolo to drop her off here. She paid her way, exactly the way he wanted her to. She owes him nothing. She wants to get rid of him. Sure, he's got the junk as much as she wants, but there's only one man she wants to be with now. She even quits the junk. She'll even quit the junk. She swears she will. So she says goodbye to Paolo with a kiss as final payment. It's the long kind of kiss. The kind she learned making movies for people like Paolo. She's a pro about it. It isn't enough for him. Cut away to the kingpin. Still in his drawers. Uh, Talon off. He says, locate Nuke, Wesley. <laughs> Nuke? Boss, you're not serious. Please tell me you're not serious. Nobody's ever used him on a domestic job. I did not invite debate. <laughs> Terrifying. Look at that fucker's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, quite the set of chompers. And so, which um, York is now traumatized, fingers broken, completely fucked up. Like he's got the full Owen Hart cast going on. Yeah. And unfortunately, he is not a black art. You know. Matt can kind of feel himself starting to heal uh, as he wakes up. He says, you know, he's kind of taking in all the sounds and he realizes that he's in a church, the basement of a mission, just him and the winos. And then he tries to stand up and his legs just do not work. <laughs> uh, and then the, the nun comes to him, Maggie. She introduces herself. She says, you're staying here. And so Karen is calling. She calls for Foggy, uh, and gets Foggy's ex-wife, which I forgot. I forgot Foggy was ever married. Um, yeah. And so Karen's like, "Oh shit, can I talk to Foggy? He doesn't live there." But you said separated. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, do you have a number where I could reach him? And so. She, he, she gets in touch with Foggy, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's meet up. Let's go get dinner. Sure, why not?" Uh, and so back at the bugle, J. Jonah Jameson is fucking pissed. <laughs> he's like, "He's like, I've seen this plenty of, I've seen this plenty of happen. Uh, I've seen this happen plenty of times, Ben. It never fails to make me sick." Reporter gets his blood up for a story, threatens to quit if I don't let him go for it, then suddenly loses all interest. By the way, how's the hand? Listen, Yurik, there are things you just don't let happen in this racket. Number one is you never get scared away from a story. Not while you've got the most powerful weapon in the world on your side. This is five million raiders worth of power. It can dispose mayors, it can destroy presidents, and it's been due to be, get aid at the kingpin for years now, but it needs you to do it. Ben doesn't say anything. He just sits there. They're just sitting here in the dark, apparently. Yeah, Ben's Ben is just a battered and beaten man at this point, man. Like, this is the most defeated I've ever seen this character. Like, he's just sitting there, arms crossed, can't even look Jameson in the, fight, in the eye. In the yeah. Fight. Just the only light is on him is from outside, from the shades, and he says, you're lucky I don't fire you. Get out of my office. And uh, the janitor's like, 
the janitor looks over and he says, "You stay a good boy. Remember the kingpin's watching. You remember. You remember. You get five more fingers." And Matt uh, wakes up with uh, Matt gets hit with a fever, and Maggie takes care of him, and he feels the cross on her neck, made of gold. Uh, Karen tries to leave Paolo, and he fucking clocks her. Like he knocks the goddamn follicles out of her ass, man. Like, yeah, he punched the highlights out of her hair, and he's like running out on me. You go see your friend, but you come back. Or I'll find you, Karen Page. You're mine now. Like, this story, one thing I really love about the format of the story is that it's very quick on changing perspectives, very quick to change who you're following. And I think that's really good. And this next couple of panels is, it's actually, it's kind of hard to read them. Yeah. And, and that, it's really good because it kind of mimics the I won't say the panic, but the uh, the uh, the hecticness of a newsroom right before something goes. Mm-hmm. And the um, and so they took Ben off the crime beat, and so he wants a he wants a, a puff piece, and he says, and Ben is on the phone with uh, he's writing a, a phone about car, about Jimmy Carter doing carpenter work. Like, it doesn't say Jimmy Carter, but it's very clearly Jimmy Carter. You know. He's like, I'll tell you the problem. An ex-president does carpentry work at a welfare project and says all the usual stuff. Not your, not your major literary challenge, but Yorick here can't get it written. And Ben's trying to answer the phone. And uh, it's like, uh, Rob, he's like, you should probably get off the phone, Ben. He says, uh, and it's because it's the lieutenant is calling him to give him his story. He says, I'm sorry, lieutenant, I'm busy. He says, I don't think you heard me, Mr. Yorick. I want to tell you how I helped the kingpin frame Matt Murdock. He says, I uh, don't know anybody by that name, Lieutenant. He says, oh, I get it. Oh, no. Because the nurse is coming in? <laughs> she looks like the Hulk. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's so broad. Like, she is ready to fuck something up. Uh, yeah, she comes in. And one thing I really like is that the guy standing to Ben's, uh, like, left to us but right to Ben is saying how useless he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and Robbie's telling him to get off the phone. He's like, the, you need to get off the phone. Yeah. And and there's this, this woman to the left of Robbie that's just screaming for the copy boy. Yeah, and she's, she's like, did the copy boy die or something? Yeah, yeah, and then she goes, "You're dead, copy boy," and then the Lichtenstein is like, two minutes, two minutes. I am dead. I am cold. I am buried." As the the nurse says, "My employer would like you to hear this, Mister Yurik," as she strangles, uh, she starts strangling Manolis, and then behind him it says, "Dead, dead, dead." Fifty bucks Monday. You'll have shots you want to frame. Finch, I need this in two minutes. Hostage stories breaking wide open. And he's just choking her. He says, you're going home. And Ben, at this point, this is one of my favorite shots of this. Ben is completely red. His eyes are bright yellow. So good. Because you are seeing him as he is flooded with this panic. 
as with this dread. And she says, thank you for listening, Mr. Urich. Like, that, the anxiety of that is, I think that's one of the best, like, set of pages I've ever read in a comic book. Yes. Like, it's so good. Like, it's it's crazy. Um, and she says, thank you for listening, Mr. Urich, and hangs up. Back with Matt, Matt is is just laying in the bed, and he says, when I first got my powers, I lived through a night of utter agony. My senses were wild. Everything hurt me, every sound and smell. A woman came to me with words of hope. She never told me who she was. She wore a gold cross. I touched it. My fingers never forgot it. It's this cross and that she's now put on his neck, and he's reaching up and touching. I said, who could love me so much and stay away so long? Who are you, Maggie? Uh, and then Foggy, with Karen, lies. <laughs> you look you look good, Karen. She does not. Karen looks like hell. So, like, she's got a black eye. Yes. She is fucked up. Or things. I mean, uh, Kingpin finds out that Nuke is in Nicaragua. It's taken days to find that out, and he's pissed about it. Uh, Murdoch must be drawn out of hiding, perhaps a threat to his loved ones. That's too obvious, but to take that small shred of himself that he still owns to flail him with it? He goes and gets uh, someone who offers in psychotics and offers us an, an excellent selection. Ben is still just sitting in horror. Uh, Jameson gives him a couple days. Jameson or Randy, it's not clear who, gives him a couple days off to, and like, go see a psychiatrist, please. You're supposed to have that band two days ago. I think it's Randy. Oh, Randy. Um, uh, uh, Jonah? No, no, I did, I did say Randy. Robbie. It's not Jonah. I think it's Randy. Yeah, thank you, Robbie. Shit. Yeah, Randy. I think it's Robbie. Still- <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay, yeah. I think it's Robbie because he says, uh, "You're getting my office." At the end of that, uh, the panel from listening to the guy, so I think that's Robbie. Yeah. He says no. Foggy again is lying <laughs> to Karen. Um, fucking Ben starts smoking in an elevator with a kid because <laughs> <laughs> he is just fully panicked. Um, Matt's got fucking pneumonia. His temp- he's got a fever. Foggy's trying to figure out what happened with Karen. Uh, while Ben relives hearing Nick's death rattle. And how long it took. Karen says, I suppose you know about... No, you wouldn't have seen my movies. Let's just say I messed up my life as badly as I could. Let's just... I'm a junkie and I've got to find Matt or I'll be murdered. I love the implication here that she's like Foggy would have never seen these pornos. Which it 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 leads you to think is she trying to say Foggy's that pure and innocent, or is she trying to say I did some fucked up shit, man? This <laughs> you is... would not you would not find this on normal shelves, pal. I'm about to say this is not back in the video. St- this is not this the is back of the video the store. Yeah, this is under the counter. This you got to slip the guy an extra twenty to see this. This is the Dubai special. <laughs> uh, 
Jesus. Folks, <laughs> ladies, gentlemen, oh. folks of all kinds, let me tell you something. If that person that you've got feelings for, you think is real cute, if they say that they went on a trip to Dubai and you know that they ain't got Dubai money, <laughs> focus on yourself. Yeah, man. Just go ahead and block that number. Hit the gym. You know? Get a haircut. Get yourself together, man. You know, exactly. Pick up a new hobby. Buy some stuff. Work on you. Oh, that's somebody, great, Mark. If somebody if, flew them to Dubai, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh man, uh, if you uh, you know somebody and they went to Dubai but have no pictures of their trip, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> they couldn't. They can't tell you what airline they flew on. You know, they didn't even see the Burj Khalifa, man. They did not enjoy Ugh. their trip to Dubai. Uh, so she's, he's like, Karen, what happened to your face? He says, that's Paolo, the man I'm with. He's pretty awful. And Foggy's like, I'll whoop his ass. He's like, I just don't, I just got to know where Matt is. It's like, Matt disappeared. Uh, a lot happened. Our law firm went out of business. Matt's crazy. Uh, and then was fucking charged with criminal misconduct. And then Karen starts to put it together. And she's like, this is my fault. This happened because of me. And he's like, what? No, Karen. Note, it is Karen's fault. But. Yes. Foggy doesn't fucking know that. And uh, if I remember correctly, I think, if I remember, I, I think the, not a running gag, but one of the subplots of this is that Ben, Foggy, and Karen all know that Matt's, but none of them know that the other. Yes, all of them know, but none of them know that the others know. So they're all like dancing around the that they know his secret identity, but they think they're the only one that knows. Right. Yeah, Foggy is. Uh, he's insistent. That Karen come and stay with him and not go back to Paula. As Marcus said, he is ready to fuck Paula up. Yeah. Another and, another common Foggy Nelson W. <laughs> uh, and she's like, I gotta go. He's like, you're gonna go back to the guy who punched you? Fuck that. You're family. You, me, Matt, we are family. And I'm not gonna let anything bad happen to you. Uh, Maggie prays over, uh, prays over Matt. She's like, his soul is troubled, but he's a good man. Spare him. So many need him. So hear my plea. Uh, ben is still replaying that day, that what happened in his mind. And then just like breaks and pulls the cast off and says, Matt Murdock. Meanwhile, uh, Melvin comes back into frame. Some guys go to see him, and they work for the Kingpin. He's like, I don't fucking want to work with you guys. And they're like, well, uh, we need you to make a costume. What's there not to like? You construct costumes. I am here to with commissioning a co from yourself a costume. 
Said costume being one you are infinitely familiar with during such time frame as before you did renunciate your status as a prominent member of the criminal class to open the shop within which we now converse. Speaking of this most neatly custodiated establishment, we will summarily execute its premature demolition, not to mention uh, the removement of your most valued body parts. Should you perchance fail to re uh, render unto us a perfect duplicate of the uniform of certain man without fear. Side note, I fucking hate the way this guy talks. He's so, he sucks. I think it's hilarious. He said, Why? Like, like, he's the thug with the forest. That's who he is. This motherfucker watched Joe Pesci in one thing and said, that's me. <laughs> he said, I am here to with commissioning from yourself a costume. So he just like me. For <laughs> uh, failed to render unto us a perfect duplicate of the uniform of a certain man without fear. That's hilarious. Matt is just listening to heartbeats, and he this is where he, he comes up where he says Maggie's heart is just to my right. She's in great shape. She's got a lot of years left. The tension has gone out of her sweat. She carries the same scent she brought to my hospital room years ago. It's a pleasant scent, so much like my own. And then he thinks, he says, Maggie, are you my mother? She goes, of course not, child. He says, a heartbeat can tell you a lot. Hers just jumped. She's lying. And his face there, it's like it's, it's kind of like it's content. Yes, he's but like really happy to know this. Yeah, like it's, I don't know. I don't. At first, I never really got this um, this side plot of that being his mom, but I guess it's just to kind of give him that. I don't know. It always felt a bit unnecessary. Yeah, but he he's just like ah yeah this is like he's really happy about it. Like, I guess just happy to know it. Happy to yeah, know I mean, he's alive. Yeah, like, I, I definitely get it. It just felt like I thought the payoff from that was going to be a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. uh, we get to issue 231, which is the technical end of this. Mm -hmm. um, which opens at Fogwell's gym uh, with Matt training while Mr. Fisk in the in his tower uh, talks about how crime is on the rise and so are their profits and one of his guys is like yeah you know we're not gonna you know question your authority or your judgment or anything but uh, a lot of money has come to the attention of the board and there's been money there's been a lot of talk about Matt Murdock now, a person, an occasional vendetta brings a personal touch to the business. Like I said, it's good for building enthusiasm, but there's been a lot of talk. And, well, you know how important worker confidence is. We're just asking you to explain. And then he just gets cut off. He says, Mr. Switzer, this is a check for the current market value of your shares in the conglomerate. Take it or your family dies. You're all dismissed. Kingpin is so fucking cold, man. Yeah. And, uh, and then Wesley tells him. Wesley <laughs> Like, Wesley uh, just Swiffer. fully. Wesley is um is a uh, fuck. Why can't I think of his name? Mr. Burns is 
Smithers. Smithers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Full Smithers. He's like, Mr. Switzer has a week plan, uh, weekend in Colorado playing. He skis. <laughs> Kingpin just says, compound fracture, both legs. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Break like, God leg, damn. his legs. Uh, and Matt has punched this bag off of off of the uh, all, like fully off the chain. Um, all these Matt training scenes should have no easy way out from Rocky Four playing. <laughs> There's no shortcut home. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, ben Urich has finally gone to the police station. And he says he tells them the truth, and he says Nick was going to confess that the kingpin helped bring Matt Murdock. The kingpin had Nick killed to shut him up. I can't tell you why he has it in for Matt Murdock, and he can't. He's like, if I tried to tell them, they would definitely throw me in the drunk tank, like straight drunk tank. If I tried to yeah. explain that to you, and so Ben Urich ended up posting the story about the kingpin. Uh, and so they they put like a he says I don't tell them everything that happened but I whatever I do say is enough to convince them to graft a six foot Swede to my hip. Meanwhile, Matt is following him. He doesn't realize that he is, but Matt's following him. Uh, and the uh, the nurse whose name we find out is Lois. She says, please to understand, Lois, we are all consumed or delighted with the aptitude of your performance in the Manolis affair. I myself did make the kingpin aware of your aforementioned aptitude. Be that, be this as it might, you have killed a cop. He says, and I did a giant job of it. For this, I am relocated to Arizona. What, pray tell, am I to do with myself in Arizona? I love the implication that Arizona's fucking hell like, why would you send me here <laughs> just getting banished just I had to go sent off to in... die in Arizona I had to go live in fucking Maricopa County what's wrong with you <laughs> the, listen and this is like this is Arizona in 1985 yeah, that's... you can't even go to a Cardinals game yet they're still in St. Louis I'm saying <laughs> like what the fuck man shit no Diamondbacks the, no T-Bags? I think that, yeah, the Suns are there. The Suns are there in 85. Uh, they're not good, but they're there. Yeah, that's fair. That's, <laughs> that's the pre-Barkley Suns. Yeah. P-fucking-U. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> Hope you like it being 110 fucking degrees every day, Lois. With no breeze. It's just hot. Waking up to fucking, wake up to fucking scorpions and shit. Uh, and so she says, if Mister Yurik is the problem, let me relocate him. It's not to be considered, Lois, as a as per direct command from Lois. Uh, so the uh, the cop and Ben are sitting in a diner, not knowing that Matt is sitting right behind. Because uh, the beard is Which, doing a lot to hide him. I was about to say, Matt Murdock blends in. Like, how many redheaded dudes with 
how many redheaded dudes do you think there are in Marvel New York? Like, he looks in like what's that fucking uh, what's that damn uh, old school actor name? Hold on. He was like this. Uh, they used him as like. I think he may have been the inspiration for like Doc Savage. But he looks like an old movie star yes. with a fucking full beard and he just blends into the, the... Yeah. Oh, this could be anybody. Who do I know that wears you red know? gloves? <laughs> and he says, uh... He says, I gotta call my wife. Tell her we have, we've got company tonight. Um... And he's like, all I need is a couch, Mr. Yurik. He's like, you don't know Doris. Shout out to Doris Yurik. Yes. Uh, Which, all right, I'm about to, but once it happens, I'm about to do. About to what? So just, I'm about to do a little bit of victim blaming here. So, okay, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> she, she, so Lois or Doris answers the phone. And she's like, I don't care what the man said, Ben. He's our guest and I won't, it won't take a minute to fix him a proper bed. Someone's at the door, honey. See you soon. Puts the phone down. Hello? Mrs. Yurik, it's your husband. It's very bad. She Literally. Just not she just hung up the phone with you him. She just hung up the phone. She fucking hung up the phone with him to answer the door. What could have happened, Doris? What could have happened to Ben in that time? Doris, it, unless this woman can time something- travel. Unless this is your future daughter, like John Carter, what the hell do you think is happening? Why would you open the door? I don't know who this is. I just talked to my husband. Why would I pick up the phone? Why would I open the door for you, lady? Like, this lo- the door is dead bolted shut. She didn't have to do this. And not only that, it's clear that Lois didn't force her way in. Yes. Because Ben still has to use his key to get in. She yeah. didn't break the fucking door. Says, uh, open up, doll, it's me. Took months to convince her to... (laughs) But also, in the next page, Ben's like, yeah, she's from Idaho. She tends to trust people. (laughs) So my wife is is incredibly gullible. And, uh, as soon as he opens... Lois just fucking uppercuts him straight to the gut. Lois smokes uh, him with one. The big cop, he turns into a fucking... He, he goes to pull his gun, and she just stuffs him. She's like, get the fuck down. Like, bashes his head against the fucking wall? Like, this is abyss, man. Like, Yeah, that's that's exactly who she is. <laughs> He's gonna give this man a black hole slam. Uh, ben realizes Doris must be in trouble. It can hear her choking in the next room. She is being hung with one of his ties. Like, and there's a lot of suspension and disbelief. One, that's a long fucking tie. Two, yeah. she's hung from the shower head. And that shower head's supporting her body weight. Yeah, this is a grown woman. This is an adult. No way. Like, that's a that's a great sign of your of your, of your the workmanship on that shower, I'll tell you that much. Right. This is an apartment. Uh, and 
the meanwhile, this fucking cop is getting fucking annihilated. Like, she just cracks him on the back of the fucking head. Just the closed fist. Call his parents. Take his shoes. <laughs> she got his socks tied like, around. She got his socks tied around. Like, <laughs> like fucking uh, Patrice O'Neal. It just helped dancing around the body. <laughs> He's yeah, paralyzed. Lady. <laughs> yeah, lady, should have let him out here with these killers. <laughs> <laughs> grabbing his razor to cut his wife down Matt makes an appearance to save the cop uh, and Ben again drenched in fear this is right in my own home right in my own home I stand there I stand there for a full minute holding the razor with no idea how to use it before I notice the handcuffs and her broken jaw it sinks in Matt you're alive and he gets a call from Melvin Potter, who's like, hey, I read your article in today's Bugle about the Kingpin. We ought to talk. I mean, we have to talk. Tonight. And he says, no, nah, tonight? Can't talk. Tomorrow. He says, but it has to be tonight. It's a matter of life and click. Because Ben wants to hug his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you find her hanging. You kind of want to spend your night, your, your night in bed. Brother, my wife was almost murdered in my home today. I, I've got to stay here. The fact that he doesn't immediately say, I am leaving New York City, I'm Ben Urich, never not only, again. Not only does Ben Urich stay in New York City, he is still today in New York City. Yeah. Ben, if you don't move out to San Francisco or something... There's got to be a Daily Bugle West. It's all online now. Move to Austin. Get out of here. Uh, so Matt goes to the costume shop, and he hears Melvin talking. He says, "They want me. They're gonna blow up the shop and kill me, Betsy, unless I make this Daredevil costume. I know they're up to something rotten. They want it tonight. I don't know what to do." This is terrible. That's how I feel. You know what Daredevil's done for me? I'd be in prison if not for him. But my shop... Betsy, please stop asking me how I feel. I don't need to. I don't need you as a therapist. I need to know what to do. He says, no, no. Just, you don't... You just don't know what I should do. I don't know why I'm speaking with you. Goodbye, Betsy. And Matt from the shadow says, make the costume. No one will be hurt. And Melvin... Melvin's got a great mustache. Yeah, he does. He says, it's a pleasure to hear your voice, Daredevil. Karen is... And, uh, anyway, back at the... Me? Foggy looks like a fucking Archie cartoon here. Yeah, he does. Kind of always does, actually. Yeah, but like especially here with the red sweater on. That dude works and at like, Riverdale High. And Karen's puking her guts out and stuff. And this one panel of her looking out the window is horrifying. Oh my god, her face looks so horrifying. She looks like fucking Cassandra Nova. Yes. Cassandra Nova, who is an old woman. Like, Jesus. Her eyes are so sunken in. The shadows on her face age her so much. And she looks out the window, and who does she see dressed like fucking Dick Tracy 
It's fucking Apollo. I thought that was Raphael from the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> you know when he's uh, when he's in disguise. You know, his New fucking York. trench coat. It was like Lou Bega. Like, oh, he does. Holy shit! Mambo number five, looking boy. That's so funny. A little bit of carrot in my life. <laughs> uh, so, um, so Karen freaks out and finds like, I'm calling the fucking cops. <laughs> and so the this new dude that uh, Kingpin hired to impersonate Daredevil. It's like, all right, put it on and listen closely as I give you your instructions. You will be deposited in an alley beside an apartment building. You'll climb the fire escape uh, and enter said building through the roof entrance, which shall be unlocked. You will descend to yourself into apartment 5B. Therein, you will make use of this billy club to cause anatomic damage to Franklin Nelson and whoever else may habitate the apartment. Said damage is to be of a permanent nature. So the plan, honestly, pretty solid plan, is to... Pretend to be mad. Kill Foggy to frame Matt. So that when Matt shows up, it'll look like Daredevil it'll look like Daredevil killed him. And then he will reveal that Matt is Daredevil. What's uh what's great about this is you notice how as soon as Karen shows up, like Glory is just not in the car. Yes! Glory is just not like here. That's like so convenient for Foggy. Because Glory gets a job at the Bugle. So she's like... Actually, I don't know if that's happened yet, has it? No, no, you're right. It hasn't happened yet. So she's just like not... She's just like living her own... You know, good for her, man. Yeah. Yeah, she's just like doing stuff, I guess. Um... Because it's only really been a few hours, I guess. Uh, and so shit pops off. Paolo blows a hole in the window. Uh, he gets into After a fight with the cops. Like, he just fucking... Him and that shotgun is so lethal. <laughs> He's one-handing it, too. Yeah. Uh... So he says, uh, police, I've made not arranged for news coverage as I had planned. Daredevil will be spotted and Matt Murdo, Matt Murdock will find his alter ego charged with the murder of his former partner and best friend. And so this, this new rented psychopath beats the dog shit out of, uh, out of Fisk's man beats him to death because of course he did Foggy is calling the police and Karen hits him over the head with a potted plant basically fuck so this that, shit up yeah just clocks him so that she can so that basically she can lead shit away from him she's like I can go to Paolo and he won't kill Foggy I can make sure Foggy survives Matt arrives on the roof in, uh, as the fake Daredevil shows up, uh, and they fight. Karen he beats this motherfucker through a door, by the way. <laughs> yes! Like, he like, Kitty primes him with no powers. Like, amazing. 
left hook through the door, swing kick, like just ugh, Matt's so good to fight, man. Matt's so cool. Uh, and so Karen is Karen's on the run. Uh, Paulo grabs her. As he does, two more Fisk's men pop out. And they shoot at Paulo and Karen. Matt continues fighting the guy on the roof uh, before he finally like drops him. Meanwhile, uh, Paulo and Karen are in a gunfight with these guys. Paulo finally gets shot. He says, I'm hit, baby. Get the gun. No, you stinking junkie ripping me off. Because <laughs> Karen says, fuck it. I'm going to die anyway. I'm going to get take one last hit. And uh, she's like, I won't even feel the bullet. One last, one last find the vein. I love you, Matt. And Matt takes the club that the, uh, the guy had, throws it, hits the... Uh, you know, he, he runs and hits the, the icicles. So they fall and make the guy drop the gun. Hits the other guy with the, uh, with the, the club and runs down to Karen, who has now dropped the needle. And this ends with narration from Ben Urich. It says, in case you're too lazy to read the newspaper, or worse, you get it from television, a lot has happened. Five bodies were found by police and on and around a west side apartment building. The live one was on the roof, stripped naked and suffering multiple contusions. Turns out he's a certified lunatic. The doctor who arranged for his release is now working in Florida as a gardener. Two of the dead ones were known criminals. Both had previously served prison terms. One, in fact, Felix Manning by name, was still on parole. Their corpses and their employment records have sparked an investigation that will keep the Kingpin's attorneys busy for months. The other two were Officer Spanner and Turnbull, or Trumbull, of the New York City Police. They leave behind a husband, a wife, four kids behind to wonder why. Two more were apprehended fleeing the scene. One was Michael Kemp, a three-time loser. The other, Paulo Scorsese, faces several life sentences for outstanding convictions of armed robbery, drug trafficking, and murder. Doris? Well, her neck still hurts, and she's taken to wearing a scarf to hide the bruise. But she can talk again and even laughs when I say she sounds like Brenda Macaro. As for me, like I told you, I'm a reporter. I'm going to find out where Matt Murdock is and what he has become. And that's the technical end of Born Again, at least. Yeah, at um, least as it was collected, which... I don't know, do you want to get too into the stuff with Nuke? We're running kind of long here. Um, yeah, we can we can touch on it last. Yeah. Just because it kind of wraps up. That is where that story technically ends. But it's also, it's so tricky with a long run like this because like, Frank Miller had issues and issues and issues to work with. Mm-hmm. So you can, te- you can make the case that this story technically goes on until he leaves. Because it's oh. all interconnected, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but yeah, we don't have to do a panel by panel break. Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of go through synopsis this. Synopsis of... Uh, we're, we get reintroduced to Nuke, 
who this is his first uh, his first appearance, Frank Simpson. Uh, he is later revealed to be Weapon Seven of the of the Weapon Plus program or uh, or Weapon X. Um, or Weapon Plus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he is he's employed in this case by uh, by the Kingpin to to kill Matt Murdock, basically. Um, he's been driven fucking insane. Um, yeah, he's batshit. He, he's totally crazy. <clears throat> and uh, most notably, the thing that stands out the most about him is he has an entire American flag tattooed across his goddamn face. Yes, yeah, it looks like face painted first until you realize, oh, this is a tattoo. Um, and you know, watching the, the Netflix Punisher show, that, uh, that young soldier they had that was going through people, I thought for sure they were going to make him new. Yeah, I also thought that was what they were doing. And just kind of blew him up, which, you know, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Reading this has made me want to watch that show again. Yeah, same. I think that's, that actually made me want to watch So, Matt and Karen are basically back together again. She's uh, trying to ride out the withdrawals. And they're just trying to make it work. Uh, Matt gets a job at a restaurant that I believe gets blown up. Yep. Um, a shitty restaurant that everybody keeps going Um. Glory gets a job at the Daily Bugle, uh, and yeah, Nuke comes in to try and kill Matt. Matt gets his costume back because he took his he took his costume the the duplicated version of his costume back. Uh, if these uh, I'll say this: these two issues, but they are kind of fun. Uh, at one point, the fucking nuke is in a fucking a like an eighteen with a guy, and they blow up a part of fucking Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, bad enough that the literal Avengers show. Yes, yeah. Like, <laughs> I hadn't read this in years, and then Captain America shows up, and Ben Yurk has a great description of. It. He's like he has a voice that can command command gods, and it does. And like Cap's like, hey, let's get some rainstorm. And you see Thor is just making it rain. Yeah, to put out the fires. Matt puts his... Uh, when the fire... When everything gets blown up, uh, he runs and he saves Karen, uh, who's fine. Uh, he puts his... Uh, he puts his coat and gloves on her just to keep her warm. And the shot of Matt tearing off his shirt uh, to get ready to put the costume on is so cool. With the cross around his neck, the white tee. Yeah. <laughs> it's an incredible look. Uh, yeah, he, so the Avengers show up, and Cap and uh, Daredevil team up to deal with Nuke. Um, well, more specifically, Cap shows up, and he's like, "Hey, what's uh, what's going on down here, man? Because this guy's that guy's ours on federal authority, and." Iron Man is like, I will blow you the fuck away. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a, actually, believe it or not, a really fun Iron Man time. 
because it's before he became really clever. Yeah. And so he was just an asshole. That was yes. his only personality. Trait. Like he was just a dick. And he was fully prepared to blast them both. Yeah. Save the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, they're telling the Kingpin. So the Kingpin's guys are like, hey, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, what are you. You're going to blow up some of these people. He says, you're screwing this up. You endangered all of us and cost us millions just to harass that blind shyster. He says, what you. Uh, and so he's. Uh, the Kingpin grabs him by the throat and just. Ah! Gets rid of that. Because now we all understand yep. each other, right? Right. Uh, also, Mostly Glory got shot in on there. Because Glory got a job for the Bugle, so she's uh, Ben York's photographer now. Yeah, and Ben... Uh, <laughs> there's also a cool panel where Ben York kills a guy. Where what? Where Ben York kills a guy. Yes. <laughs> ben takes a man's life. Because the, the way it works is that it's a, it's a guy from the Bugle... He has, he's really a kingpin plant. Yeah. Um, gets him an interview with Lois because Lois is about to turn state's witness. And the cop there works for kingpin as well. So the bugle dude and the kingpin dude try to kill Lois and kill Glory and kill Yurik. And Yurik just beats him to death with a fucking gun. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it is his own gun, in fact. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Like, getting pistol whipped and getting pistol whipped to death by your own gun? They gotta be looking at you on the other side with their hands on their hips like, mm. Major L. <laughs> Extremely. Uh, so, the Foggy and Glory don't see Matt come into the church behind them. Which, which is, really is so... I don't know. I guess it is the beard, but like, there's literally no, a Matt's shaving where... it off at this point. They, I guess they're just so focused on each other. I guess, but Matt shoves past Foggy to go. Yeah. No, he just goes like, in behind him. Does he? Yes, he goes in behind him and Foggy turns into the aisle or the pew where um where Glory is laying. This is in 234. Oh, no, 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 no. After that. Oh, yeah. That's when they, when they first come in to check on uh, his mom. But when Matt hears Captain America's heartbeat, he runs out of the church and pushes past Foggy. Yes, and Foggy does not recognize him. I guess because he's running so fast. I guess, yeah, that, that tracks. Uh, and so he, because he can hear and smell Captain America. So he runs over to him and he says, Daredevil, I mean you no harm. That man last night, who was he? And so they talk about it. He says, uh, says, uh, yeah, uh, they. my employer said he's a terrorist. And it's like, that dude's like a super soldier or something. I don't know. He's got plastic in his skin and shit. And then uh, there's a little side story. Cap like... Yeah, Cap goes and he sees... Uh, he goes and uh, talks to the general about Nuke. And he's trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. And they're like, uh, you know, the department holds you in the highest regard. We've always valued your commitment and your loyalty. He says, I'm loyal to nothing, General, except the dream. (laughs) 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 Fucking cap rules. (laughs) He says, I don't give a shit. If you guys start fucking up, uh, I am out of here. And um, uh, another fun panel that I recommend everybody go is when Kingpin is trying to convince Nuke to do his dirty work. 
he's just gaslighting him about like how he's a good patriot. Yes, stuff. he's and got he's, all this like American propaganda behind him. And he's like caressing a flag. <laughs> just fully being a fucking dirtbag. And like one of Duke's like what Duke one of Duke's triggers is uh he's always talking about the soldiers as our boys. And so Wilson's like, oh and they our boys. They go over there and fight and they come back and get this Duke's like our boys. Our boys. He's talking about POWs and he's our boys. You just see him getting crazier and crazier. Uh, <laughs> Cap talks to one guy and he's like, hey, uh, take me to the vault. And they're like, well, you're not clear for that. And Cap just thumps him on the head. You know? <laughs> and Cap just goes, hey, hold this. Pop! Uh, and he's, he goes... Cap ends up going in... Uh, finding out some stuff on Project Rebirth, which was basically them trying to recreate uh, the the Super Soldier program. Uh, which eventually gets, I think it gets retconned into Weapon Plus. Yeah, because isn't the, isn't the retcon that like Cap was Weapon 1? Yes. Or Weapon 0 or something like that? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Nuke does escape from this, and this is kind of where we leave that with him. Uh, and so, Matt, look, we see a lot of things happen all at once. Nuke escapes, uh, but is eventually stopped by Cap. Uh, Cap, or, (laughs) Matt steals $30,000 from the Kingpin. (laughs) <laughs> the, 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 the the bar that they blew up the diner that they blew up they didn't their insurance wouldn't cover it yeah it gets them just enough to either rebuild or start a new life or whatever they want <laughs> matt steals thirty thousand dollars to build them a new diner so he'll still have a job uh, so uh daredevil flies off to where or runs off to where cap and nuke are and they're now trying to help save nuke from having being forced to work for the kingpin again. Uh, yeah, and I get, I kind of, I don't know, I kind of get the idea that he's a pawn, that he kind of shouldn't be punished for what he was manipulated and doing. But like they make it clear, he killed a lot of people. He killed so Matt, many people. Matt hears a baby die at one point. Like, like there's a point in time where the dude's shooting an automatic at him, and Matt's dodging the bullets. And Matt goes, every single one of those bullets just hit somebody. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Sometimes you gotta let them die with a hat, man. Yeah. <laughs> let them get done dirty. Uh, Matt steals a taxi, drives him, uh, <laughs> drives him to the Daily Bugle and drops him on Ben Urich's desk. And one fun little detail that I love is that, like, a lot of people, as I mentioned, like, the Netflix series earlier, like to think that because Matt's other senses are so good that he can essentially see. But no, you forget that he is still a blind man because he just runs several red lights because like a red light and a green light look the same to him. Yeah, because he can hear the light change, but he doesn't know which You know, it what's it changing to, you yeah. know? So Matt, yeah, comes in from the rain and dumps, uh, dumps him on 
Ben Urich's desk on his typewriter on his phone. He's gonna say, "Hey Ben, I got something for you." Uh, Laying on top of that picture of that man's wife and shit. Yeah, Kingpin is implicated, and the Kingpin is just fucking mad. Uh, while Matt walks off into the sunset with uh, with Karen. And they lived happily ever after. Nothing Until, ever happens then. And then <laughs> nothing yeah, bad ever happens Karen and again Matt live a long, happy life together, and nothing bad ever happens. With sev- with, they have several kids with very Catholic names, and they live happily ever after. Their sons, John, Luke, David, and Peter. Oh, jeez. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Their their daughter Mary. Um, oh, Mary Murdoch. Mary Mary Murdoch would go crazy. Mary Mary Murdoch yeah. Daredevil. Yeah, that go. That's something with Mayday Parker. Man. Yes, that is the Mayday Parker verse version of Daredevil. Is is Mary Murdoch. Um, Mary Margaret Murdoch. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. Uh, but that is Born Again. This is, like I said, one of the best stories. I feel like we did our best to do it justice. Part of why this episode is so long is that I really wanted to focus on so many of the little intricacies of this book. So many of the, um, like, Frank Miller does so much good work with the, like, with, like, the prose that it's, like, mm. I felt like not reading a lot of it would have been a disservice. Um, but really and truly, you, if you're listening to this, you owe it to yourself to read this story. If you've read it before, uh, reread it. Please read it. If you've never it. read it, read this story. This is, um, I really can't do the art justice. Uh, it's it's really an incredible story. Um, I mean, like I've said, I've been, I've been reading this book on and off several times for damn near the past 20 years. And even on this reread, I still find little details in like this has just made me like want to just go read this whole run again. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's incredible. like, and most of it's on Marvel Unlimited. There's what twenty issues that just randomly aren't for yes. some reason. Yeah, like it skips like twenty issues, which is very weird. Like I think it skips like two fifty four or something. Um, but yeah, this has been MCMF episode twenty seven. Uh, Sounds right. Yep. So you can follow the show on Twitter at MCMF Pod. You can follow me at Archer Arios, A-R-X-H-E-R-A-R-I-O-S. The X is a C. Don't make me explain it. Uh, you can follow Will at Chaos Ghost. Uh, you can follow our pal Jake in his new venture uh, at Lake Dragging. Uh, he's already announced it, so I'll say it here. I'm going to be on the second episode of that show. Uh, talking Very about excited for that. A lot of a lot of heavy music. I'm excited to be on there with him. Uh, and I will definitely try and get Jake back on here soon. We still want to do From Hell. Um, and I'm thinking... Well, I know that you, we've already talked about the next episode you're going to be on. Which, conveniently, your timing on that works out. That'll be like the week of my birthday we do that. So, <laughs> me, Will, and Manny are going to uh, have the Tommy Oliver slander hour. Uh, the last episode of this month. Uh, be excited yes, for that. Yes, sir. And I'm going to try and get one more episode in between then. But until then, everybody take care. Stay safe. 
hug your loved ones, tip your waitresses, spay and neuter your pets, uh, and take it easy. <laughs>